We're live, pal. Here we go. The early group of bowl games are done. There was some excitement, some mismatches, and multiple fights. Don't tell these guys these bowl games don't matter. Andrew, we're about to start seeing some major bowls with some big-name teams. Do the bowls suffer from so many guys sitting out, or is somebody going to finally get their opportunity and shine? We're getting closer, Andrew. People on the internet are acting more and more like idiots. Andrew, again, we're in complete chaos in college football. Make it make sense. Okay, first things first, Terry. I will not have you besmirch the name of Dave in UC or in Huntsville now <laughs> by calling our fans idiots. Although no, no, he no. is committed to not watching bowl games this year because of how Florida State was done dirty. Well, this he's probably is, not listening to us he, either, as a matter of fact. Nah, so. maybe not. Uh, well, not since we beat his ass in ballers because we rule, and he didn't <laughs> when it came to picking the score. So... Don't fuck with us when it comes to college football, Dave. But anyway, um, you asked me, of all people, to make it make sense. My psychiatrist will thank you for that later when he sends you the bill. But Because that will give us plenty to talk about. But coming off the high of last week's National Sign Day, to the news this week, you pointed it out. Big game's coming, and we have multiple players opting out. Keon Coleman declared for the draft. Arizona quarterback's not playing. Uh, Rotomaker for Florida State's decided he's packing it up and leaving. And I know we'll get all of that later. Yeah. But they practiced for two fucking weeks with him as the option to play Georgia. And now he's not playing. Arizona has to play Oklahoma the week that they travel for the game. He pulls the plug and says, Hey, guys, I'm not playing. So a lot has happened in the week since we've talked. Uh, you're right. The big games are coming. Unfortunately, if it isn't the playoff games, I don't think they matter. And as a football fan that is a diehard college football fan that loves all the bowl games, well, mostly after Christmas, but I want to see football. I want to see good competitive games. I love the the intrigue of the matchup of conference versus conference, power five versus group of five. I do love that stuff. But if you're going to sit out, you're going to declare for the draft, you're not going to play, you're going to transfer in the portal, it doesn't fucking matter. So that leads me to ask you a question, because it's really a rant. Does the portal need to come after bowl season? Do we not allow them to declare for the bowl, for the portal till after we've completed what we would call a football season that includes any postseason games? Or is it okay where it is? Because of the way signing and recruiting falls. I mean, this is something that I think eventually they're going to have to answer one way or the other. And I'll leave that open-ended question to you. Is too much too much? Is it not? I mean, you're selling these games. You're expecting big tickets. You're putting people in place. And, like, for the Florida State team, it's not bad enough that their entire offensive playmaker, the unit, is gone. Everybody's out for the game. Every playmaker Florida State has that's not on defense is not playing in this game. Yes, I can. And your backup backup quarterback that you spent 21 days preparing for Georgia 
announces at the 11th hour, by the way, guys, it's been real, but I'm out. You know, I, I, no, can't I do even wonder. I can't even reconcile that. Go ahead. Well, I do wonder with that one, and I've been thinking about it today, and I'm sitting here watching, just to let you know when we're recording this, um, I'm sitting here watching West Virginia put it on North Carolina. I'm kind of glad for that because I believe I picked West Virginia. I might want to double-check my picks because I, I got to tell you, they've been pretty horrible lately, but um, I don't think it matters. Um, no. I think – you know me, I'm a shake it up hard kind of guy. I, I don't want to look at the surface problems. I think the surface problems are caused by the fundamental goals of what college football is trying to do. Too many damn teams, too many conferences. They're not equal. We're trying to make them act. We're trying to act like they're equal, and that's just nonsense. The power five is not the group of five and vice versa. Um, you know, I'm picking a lot of group of five teams when they're playing power five teams because those power five teams don't care for the most part. You know, if Vanderbilt squeaked into a bowl, they would care. But when you got a team like a Tennessee, which has aspirations to be at the top of their conference and they fall down and now they're in a bowl game against Wisconsin or something, and I know Iowa. that ball game's not yeah, right. Iowa. This year it's Iowa. But Woof. what's their motivation there other than pride? And a lot of these and guys, this is their career. And, mm -hmm. you know, realistically, it's like, what is this game doing for my career? And I don't know if I'm answering your question. I've got so many thoughts on this, and I'm throwing it out there. But one thing I thought about, and you were talking about the quarterbacks waiting to the last minute, I kind of wonder if – we might have a situation in a couple of cases, and there's two of them that I know of. There was the one you talked about with Florida State, and then there was the one that I think I tagged you in it today. Who was that? That the it's uh, Milton Tennessee. from Tennessee. Yeah, so Tennessee Milton did the, the same Joe thing. Milton the third. I kind of wonder if it's possible if these are closed practices. Did these quarterbacks tell their coaches that they weren't going to play the bowl game two weeks ago, and they said? Why don't we just keep it a secret until just a few days before the game? Because fair point. today is the day that um, I guess I, I'm getting it mixed up between Tennessee and Florida State. One of them was traveling today, and that's the day you find out. Well, that's also the day that you and would you find out if you were a sneaky reporter and noticed somebody didn't get yeah. off the plane. So maybe yeah, they knew this already as well. I'm mm -hmm. not putting anything past these teams as far as being sneaky because they don't want to give up any information unless they have to. No, like I said, it's an interesting point. I think that I think that you could be onto something there if we're trying to keep it low key. Yeah, but you know, I I don't want to be that guy that continues to come back to the Florida State situation. They got screwed. I get it. We got a 12-team playoff coming, and now we have the justification for it because they got screwed. Yeah. So anybody that was against the 12 teams, well, you don't have a leg to stand on because Florida State undefeated got left out. But to your point, you don't even have the pride enough to finish the season. And I wonder if Jordan Travis was the trigger man. They say they would have been in the playoff, but let's say he's not. Let's say Jordan Travis isn't hurt. 
and Florida State's still not in the playoff. He is the Florida State Seminoles. If he chooses to play in the bowl game against Georgia to prove the point, we got screwed, we're the best team in the country, I don't think he loses all the playmakers. I really don't. Right, yeah, I don't, I don't think they yeah. leave. They follow him because he is Florida State football. But with him out, because his, his ankle did a 180 that it ain't oh, supposed yeah. to do, and that was a brutal injury. It was. Now it just gives them all, especially those like Keon Coleman looking to go to the NFL, and he declared today that's what he's doing. He's going to the NFL. But yeah. a week and a half ago, he said he wasn't playing. So that was already decided that he wasn't going to play in the game. Right. Um, I don't think one more college game hurts you going to the NFL. I personally don't. Are, are you worried about getting injured? Then why do you play the game anyway? Because there's always that risk when you put that helmet on that you're going to get injured. And we've and both of us have played football. Both mm-hmm. of us have been injured. I get it. Um, I yeah, I was a lower my life. head kind of guy. I had a lot of, you know, I was seeing stars a lot because I would lower the head. I didn't learn that technique very well. Just to, just I, to throw I that went out there. Helmet to helmet with. <laughs> I went helmet to helmet with the number one running back in the state of Wyoming playing oh, D tackle. Goodness. And I and cracked my helmet and got a concussion and lost an entire day. I don't remember anything. We had the game film and it sounded like a gunshot going off in that little stadium in <laughs> Wyoming. Um, but I don't remember I don't remember anything. I wanted to go in the game. They had to pull the helmet away from me, take my shoulder pads off me, sit me down. But I was drunk, and I wasn't drunk, but you get what I'm saying. Neurologically, I was fucked up. So I get it. I get it that you've got that risk factor that you get worried about and that sort of thing. I've rolled ankles. I've torn ligaments. I've pulled muscles. I've bruised ribs because I played interior linemen. I get it. On the other hand, what's one more game going to hurt? Where's your sense of pride? Um, My my piddly little Huskers would have loved to have a bowl game, Mm -hmm. and I bet you they all played if they'd been a bowl game because they ain't had one in so long uh, at this point. Well, that point. gets – and I hate – I mean, this is not an insult, obviously, because Nebraska has a hell of a history. But Nebraska has positioned themselves for that, right? And I mentioned yeah. Vanderbilt. Obviously, not Nebraska's not at Vanderbilt level. But Nebraska is at the point where if a Nebraska team gets a bowl game, it's a big deal right now. Because that's a lot of improvement, yep. and there is a lot of pride there. So, I, I think the teams that have tasted a little bit of success, they're in that on that bubble. When you miss out, there really is no benefit at all from playing those games, and I can't fault them too much. You know, it's like, what am I really getting from this? It's, I get it. it it's a bowl game. It's supposed to be exciting, but. This is not the bowl era anymore. Bowl games aren't that exciting. Well, they're not that exciting because they're no longer respected. It no longer matters unless you're in one of the three big ones right now. Yeah. You're either in the semifinals or the finals, and it doesn't matter. But it used to be the Peach Bowl was a big deal, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl. The Cotton Bowl, the Sugar, and the you know the Alamo, even the Holiday Bowl. Right. Those games were were games that you wanted to see. The Capital One Bowl was a big game there for a while. Um, now we got forty three bowl games. You got two two playoff games plus the championship. I get it. 
I do. I get it. But I'm saying right now, and I'm fake news because we've declared that already on this show before. Five years from now, college football is going to be unrecognizable. Yeah. It's going to be decided we are already, in the courts. We're already headed that way. Yeah, I mean, we're there's lawsuits that all direction. over the place. Multiple lawsuits happening. And Let's start um, there because I, yeah. I don't know where you got it in the notes, but right now you sent me the article and I'd seen it a million times. It's going to cost Florida State, what did they say? A buck fifty? I've seen, I don't know, because I've seen 120,000 and some number was like 500 and something, I mean, 120 million. And then I've also seen like 500 and something million. I was like, where did that I've seen number both come those from? numbers. Yeah, I've seen both those numbers. But, you know, for people that don't necessarily know what we're talking about, Florida State is looking potentially to exit the ACC. There is talk that it's going to cost them some figure of money. Jeez. Well, now they've got teams behind them like a Clemson, a North Carolina, North Carolina State, saying, and Miami saying, wait, if they leave, we don't want to pay either. We don't think we All should right. have to pay. So they're trying to get the whole payout nullified. And if that happens, there is no incentive for the ACC to exist. Well, they're right behind the Pac-12, yeah. Let's call it $120 million, Terry. Let's just use that number. Yeah. You could use $500 million if you want. But that is a hell of a deterrent to leave if you're going to have to pay that kind of money as a university yeah. to get out of the out of the system. Um, we talked about it already a little bit. If you now it doesn't make so much difference, I guess, because ACC Big Ten already play. But imagine for you, if you will, Florida State joins the Big Ten and all of a sudden we've got them in wrestling, basketball, track and field, hockey. Yeah. Uh, it's not just football. And that was Chip Kelly's point is this is yes, not exactly. just football, you know, that we're talking about these mega con- you're you're affecting the entire university athletic system. And that is point. tough. That's tough for basketball. That's tough for baseball. That's tough for softball. That's tough for track and wrestling and swimming and equestrian and whatever other sports that exist. You know, we think about football driving it, but and for football, it's kind of an easier thing, but some of these sports don't make money at all. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. they are subsidized by the university in some way. And that is that is a big downer for them. You think about these West Coast teams, Stanford and UCLA are supposed to be joining the ACC. And these teams that Get small crowds. I remember being in Jordan Hare Stadium, and the PA announcer would say, "Come out to the soccer game, free admission." They don't make this money yep. that the football does. You're saying those soccer teams are going to have to go from LA to North Carolina often to play games. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So. We often talk about Nebraska on this program, and I, I see yeah. people shit on me, not me, but Nebraska online about, well, they were good 30 years ago, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and correct the record, though, real quick on the Nebraska thing. The University of Nebraska football program built the University of Nebraska. Yeah. All the All-Americans, all of the academia, all of the education, and then, to your point, all of the other athletic programs owe the University of Nebraska football program, all of it. 
Because without that football program driving it, yes. there wouldn't have been anything else. There wouldn't have been anything else. Now, same athletic program, volleyball team, put 92,000 people in Tom Osborne Field this year. Yeah, so huge. It, it's not, and they were the runner-up to the national championship. They got swept by Texas and lost three straight. But without the University of Nebraska football program, None of the rest of it matters. And I'm talking, the like I said, the academics as well as the other sports. None of it matters. None of it without the football team driving it. Yeah, you can't Nebraska do it has, it. they have a ton of money, you know. And when I start talking like this, the Ohio State football team drives what happens at Ohio State. The Michigan football team drives what happens at the University of Michigan. You think people are going to the University of Iowa to watch anything other than football and women's right. basketball at this point? Penn State puts 108,000 people in Happy Valley. They've got an excellent volleyball team and a great wrestling team. But how did they get that volleyball team and that wrestling team? They got the funding from Joe Paul winning 416 games That's right. in his tenure as the head coach and building Beaver Stadium and selling Beaver Stadium out and winning a couple national titles along the way so that they could have that wrestling program, so that they could have that football or volleyball program. So you can't deny the impact football has, but logistically, this is a nightmare. You misspoke. It's University of California and Stanford going to the ACC. UCLA oh, and right. USC UCLA are going is to the going to the Big Ten. That's right. <laughs> look, look. I just said Penn State, so UCLA. California's got too Los many damn Angeles. teams. I can't keep up with. But UCLA is going to fly from Los Angeles, California, to to freaking Western Pennsylvania, exactly for a baseball game. <laughs> and it's like, ha and most of their schedule. Um, um, well, not most. I guess half of them is going to be home games, but you but know, forty percent of their schedule There's is going to be in the Midwest. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's not an easy home game, uh, away game travel. Like, for instance, the Oklahoma-Texas game that they play at the Cotton Bowl is about 50-50. It's yeah. a neutral side. I get that. It's a neutral. But you still have to travel a little bit to the game. Um, the Georgia-Alabama game, whether it's in Tuscaloosa or Athens, it's not that far to travel, really. Right. You're asking a team to get on a damn airplane two days before the game or three days before the game, get checked into the hotel, <laughs> blah, 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 yes. and then get themselves motivated to go play a football game. Um, We're going over two time zones. All the way across three. the country. Three time zones yeah. sometimes, yes. And that's, that's what I'm saying. If you're USC and you drew Pennsylvania, you drew Penn State in November, all of a sudden you're going from Southern Cal – to Western PA, where it's zero degrees and six inches of snow <laughs> on the ground. I mean, even the, even the travel though has got to be a little bit of a nightmare. I yeah. I shared that with you, and we're getting a little tangential. But the well, the, I've got another point on that. I mean, the Washington not... trip. That kid drove from Arizona to Washington or whatever, and I said, right. or Las Vegas. He to went Washington. to the ER, I broke said, his ribs or something, and then had to drive yeah, home. I said, <laughs> I said, what they do? Take the scenic route. So I Google it, and, and it's it true. The scenic route, twenty-three that hours. Was the fastest way to get there, Crazy. twenty-three hours. I said, damn. But now you're talking about doing that on airplanes. You're talking about these student athletes. There's a lot of. Thing. And then, like you said, this the the Florida State thing, you're going to litigate this in the court. 
You're going to have trademarks. You're going to have money, all of this stuff. And as long as there's money tied to it, there's going to be legal tied to it. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, yeah, and I'm going to go a step further. Up, you know, I and wanted you to said, it. well, you said Nebraska. And Nebraska is an example of a good football program that's had a history. It's not just those programs that need the football money. This is where those cupcake games come in. You have these programs like, uh, you know, I can't even think of one right now that that are established basketball programs in Division One that don't have a football program that have decided to create a football program. And their goal has to be, we're going to play against Florida State. We're going to play against Ohio State. We're going to earn a big paycheck. Hopefully, we don't play against Auburn and beat them like New Mexico State did. But um, that's just a little throw in as an Auburn fan there. But that's the thing. It's like they've had these somewhat successful programs in other sports, but they just don't have that money. Those sports don't make money unless you're talking about basketball in Kentucky or basketball in North Carolina, because basketball anywhere else just doesn't make a lot, maybe in some places in California, you know, but, but every other sport is either like, like I said, soccer games at Auburn were free and that's what they were telling us. They knew they couldn't charge for that. Nobody's going to show up if they charge for it. So there's just not money in those things. Football is where it's at, even to the point where these teams are going to, these schools are going to create a team and know that they're going to get their skulls beat in. They'll do it for a paycheck because they can spread that out to the other programs. Yeah, the problem is, like you said, maybe it should be blocked, but I've been on my soapbox long enough. I just wanted to point <laughs> out for you that it's not a sexist thing to say it because we support Title IX at the University of Nebraska. Yeah. But without the football program, nothing else exists in Cornhusker land. That's right. And there's a lot of universities that are like that without the football program because that's the big money event. You going to tell me any other thing at the University of Alabama is drawing money right now? I mean, their basketball team is as good as they've been in years. But other than that, and they've got it. They really... I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, I don't know the numbers. They've got it. They've had a good softball program, but you know, it's not. It, but let's I mean, face I don't know it. if and they again, make money a, or it's, not. It's not a sexist thing. You put ninety thousand people in Brian Denny Stadium. Right. They ain't gonna put ninety thousand people at the softball diamond. Well, and you made the point earlier about Nebraska. <laughs> football program building the school and you know this might surprise some people i've done a little research because i've looked at off-season topics you know iron bowl is one of those and i've looked at a lot of iron bowl history because obviously as an auburn fan i need to know that when nick saban showed up in tuscaloosa jordan hare stadium was bigger than bryant dinner's bryant denny stadium they have expanded tremendously since then not only that but Auburn University had a bigger um, a bigger number of students at that point. When I was in school, Auburn was the bigger school. Nick Saban showed up, and that has changed. The University of Alabama is now, they have more students. So it's not just football that's affected by these coaches, these players coming in and doing well. Nick Saban is a – that's why he's worth the money because it's not just about paying for football. They have more students enrolled. 
they have now, you know, they can spread that money out to several areas and it's just all around. It's better for the university. That's why you see these giant numbers. Now, obviously we are shifting to the players getting a piece of that. And that's good. We're probably going to see a shift and maybe we'll see fewer big contracts for coordinators and, and staff coming up because some of that money needs to go to the players. And that's probably long overdue based on the amount of money they've made on their backs, you know, but, um, there's big money in this and it doesn't just go to the football program. And, you know, it's kind of goes against my whole thing about get rid of the 133 teams kind of does go against that. So I'll be devil's advocate against myself here. I understand the money part of that and just having a football program does that. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't replace the revenue of a football program, especially one that's even had any sort any sort of success at all. Right. Any sort of fan base at all. I mean, you don't think it's big business when the horseshoe at a Columbus, Ohio puts 105,000 people in the stadium. It's huge business. Parking, yeah. tickets, concessions, it's huge business. Um, so I think I think that you know we've spent a lot of time on that, but we I think have. it's well worth it for people to know that, you know, when we say that the college football landscape isn't going to look the same five years from now, no. it might not even take five years. Right. Because now with the NIL, you had always kept the students away from the money making ability and and people were fined, suspended, sanctioned for things such as buying a recruit lunch was a violation. It was textbooks. a legitimate Alabama violation. got on probation for buying textbooks. And that is something to help them in their classes. I mean, yeah. It's like why was, was textbooks not included in the tuition? I just I don't understand it. Yeah, it was but it was considered financial support or whatever, if I'm not mistaken. So that was yeah. the whole the whole thing. But you know, we'll get into it when we get to the Alabama Michigan game. This may be the last season you see Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Not because he's not a good coach, but because he's tired of the bullshit. And it's just one thing after another at Michigan, you know? So I think, uh, and I said, you know, there, so, you know, we're getting serious, but <laughs> I think with the way that everything is changing, I mean, logistically, it's going to be more difficult. It's going to be more expensive with these huge travels. You're taking, you're taking 85 players across the country. You know, yeah. that's, that's expensive. That's expensive to fly 85 because you're not driving the bus across right. country. You'll right. never get there. So a lot to consider, a lot to unwind. And I know we've got a lot of football games to talk about. I We're going to be four hours on this episode if we don't dig in. So let's go ahead and start it. So um, let and me the good roll news for... is I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about some of these football games. I got a couple of things I'll tell to our, say. <laughs> I'll tell our fans. Up front. I mean, I'm not going to be boring, but I'll tell our fans up front. I was on a hot streak the last time we recorded. I believe I was eight and one. That ended. And then I got, then I got cold and lost like ten straight picks. So Bryant Harimza, good for you. You are he's doing well right now. I think he's, he's what doing eleven well. and seven? nah. He's thir- twelve and twelve and seven or something. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. But yeah, I know I'm have to three games it. behind him. You were one or two games behind him. I dropped down. Yep. I picked I I gotta tell you, and I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. 
you guys might notice that I have not put the graphics out in the last couple of days. Um, I blame part of this on ESPN, but it all comes on me. Um, I looked to see if there were games yesterday, and I saw nothing. I didn't realize that I I was on top 25. It was only showing top 25 teams, so it didn't show anything. Like, damn it. So I completely forgot to put anything out, and I didn't put it out today. I've been – Honestly, I've been really busy, um, so you're hearing all Terry's excuses, but I'll do better, I promise. We're getting a lot of better games now, and right now, as we record, West Virginia is um, – they're putting it on them. 30 to 10 over North Carolina right now with a minute left. So, yeah. we, we can talk about it off air, but one of my favorite destinations – for college football when they were good. Watching them, the game environment, mm-hmm. was Morgantown, West Virginia. Really? That's those fuck, interesting. Those, those fuckers are crazy. I bet and, they're crazy. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, no, I've never been. I just watched it on TV. <laughs> so that might be a destination for your boys on TNA Top Well, 10. I tell you, we what, talked what? about going to like three games next year. We were, You know, I committed to Tuscaloosa because, you know, I had this lie about not going to Atlanta that I had to hold on to for a while. So I promised that I would go to Tuscaloosa next year. Um, so we'll see, but I'm interested in going to a bowl game that I haven't been to. The only bowl game I've ever been to is music city. So any bowl game other than that Nashville. would be great. Yeah. yeah Cause so yeah. it was an hour and a half away. Um, so I don't care who's playing. I want to see a new place. That's my deal. I want to see a new place every year a different bowl game every year, you know, that'd be great. But we'll yeah. we'll figure that out by next year. Let's dive in a little up bit. For, up first, because as Trump would say, we're in Boca, baby. Boca Raton Bowl, Terry. Oh, South Florida. No game at took all. Alabama to the limit, 17 to 3. But that was to the limit for them. In the rain, Jalen Milrow was benched, if you remember, sir. 45 yes. to 0 over Syracuse. Terry, the head coach was fired, but it, I don't think anybody showed up in orange on this one. What do you got? That's the tough part with me because I know our buddy Devin was like, it's hard to play when your coach is fired. But here's the thing it's like two things could happen when you get a coach fired. And we talk about, and I think I texted this earlier, when you don't have the head coach you've had all year. There's a couple of reasons for that. Either he did so bad and you somehow made a bowl game that he got fired because there were bigger expectations or he hasn't or he's ba- barely been mediocre for a few years. That was kind of the 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 situation with Syracuse. They did well for the first few weeks, they fell off the table. Or he did so well that he got hired by somebody and he left. That second part where he did so well that he left that's where I expect teams to not do well. The part where the coach got fired, that's my expectation that the team's going to be pissed off about their guy being fired and they get motivated. That is not the case for Syracuse. They were not motivated Mm -hmm. by Dino Babers being fired and they just, they didn't do much at all. I mean, they had 159 yards of total offense Four turnovers, 
And they just uh, – and I don't know if this happened to be the South Florida team that showed up against Alabama, but 45 to nothing, there was no game here at all. No, the one thing we know about South Florida because of the game with Alabama, and again, Milrow was benched and Saban basically used it for live practice in the rain in South Florida. Yeah. 17 to 3, they played Alabama. Alabama's playing for a national championship. Okay. I mean, I know they're in the semifinal, but what I'm getting at, they're in the playoff. They're playing Michigan for the right to go to the national championship game. That's a good football team that you only lost by 14 points to. And yeah, right. it was at home. And yeah, it was early and whatever. Back One up quarterback, whatever, but they still did it. In the U in the USF game against Alabama, mm-hmm. their defense was really good. Mm-hmm. And we saw that here against Syracuse. Four turnovers, you know, USF played great defense. Now, this is the last point I'll make so we can move on to the next game. Kyle McCord was in attendance for this game. Mm. and watched his team turn the ball over four times and lay an absolute <laughs> egg. Oh, boy. Oh. So like Ohio State, fuck you, Kyle. You could have been a Husker, <laughs> but we got our man. So next up, Terry. All right, let's move along. of Georgia Tech. Let a me... rambling wreck takes on Uncle Gus out of UCF. The fire Gus Malzahn. Because he has a great first half or quarter, and after that, the the wheels fell off the bus. And that's the Go point ahead, I was going to make. Because last week, or whenever we recorded last, it, it's it's not quite weekly lately because of the bowl games. But last week, I said, you said something about Gus is going to have some time to prepare, and I said he'll be prepared for the first quarter. And you said, stop it. Here's the proof. <laughs> UCF scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, three points in the second quarter, nothing in the second half. I know Gus. This is how a Gus Malzahn team fails. And he did it again. They took a big lead at the beginning. They gave up 284 rushing yards against Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech took it. That's Gus Malzahn, and that's why you get fired from Auburn University. Look, buddy, I like Gus, and I really thought he'd have a few more creative wrinkles in this game. I didn't expect it to go like this. Um, I mean, and and don't get me wrong. Georgia Tech is a very entertaining team. They They played with Florida State at their best. They played with Florida State. Um, This is a good football team, but it's not a great football team or an excellent football team or an elite football team. But... I really thought UCF was going to play better than this because you remember too, UCF took Oklahoma all the way they to did. the limit when they were like three and five or whatever. And Oklahoma they played a lot rolling. of close games in the Big Twelve this year. They didn't do great in yep. the standings, but they played a lot of close games. So I just expected a better football game. I guess is yep. what I'm getting at. I expected Gus to have his game plan because if there's one thing that you know from his time at Auburn, Gus Malzahn knows motion sweeps, movement. He knows how to get. His guys in the right position in an offensive formation. This game that didn't materialize, so it was very strange. But I'll I'll leave it there. I well, mean, Gus, we can go on forever. It's just very strange. Somebody that well versed in offensive uh, game planning did yeah. not put something good together. Well, I think the way I categorize Gus, he is kind of a mini pioneer in the way that he has affected offenses 
since he's been in the college game. He has been the first to do certain things. You know, he did the wildcat at Arkansas or the wild hog or whatever. That influenced a lot of other teams to do the wildcat, you know. So he's an influence. I just think that other people take his ideas and they do it better. That's what mm-hmm. I feel about Gus. He's creative, but I don't know that he's creative and capable of using that creative um, creativity to win football games as much as other people can take that from him and do it better. And that's what so I what you're Auburn saying fans is, are hoping Hugh Freeze is that guy. But, yeah. I was just going to say, so he's not – and this is no disrespect to Gus, but he's not our favorite Mike Leach in terms of putting an air raid. He put an entire offensive system oh, yeah. together and masterminded it. And honestly, name somebody who did it better than Mike Leach. I wish we would have seen <laughs> Mike Leach at a place that was, was historically good at recruiting. Think about what he could do with some hosses because he was never – I mean, he was he was at Oklahoma as the OC. Okay, that was good. He was at Texas Tech, which is, you know, no matter how good Texas Tech does, they're not competing with recruiting with Oklahoma and Texas. They're just not. No, their best he, player on that team was Michael Crabtree, if I'm not mistaken. Right, and he did very well to get those players. And they did very yeah. well as an offense. But – he went to Washington State, kind of the same level, the Pac-12. They're not the top team. And then he went to Mississippi State, which is bottom third of the SEC. And he did well yep. at Mississippi State, which is very difficult. But if he had got a job like Tennessee, like Auburn, or something like that, which is kind of like middle Texas. third. Texas. Think about the Texas. They had Charlie yeah. Strong there for a little while before they found Stark. Just think about USC. if he had those blue chip players with his mind. Florida. Oh, my God. Imagine Whoa. him with Florida. That would be <laughs> – I'm speechless on the idea of Mike Leach being at Florida. I mean, I just got chills thinking about it because he's like – Well, he's another the athletes. Just think, about, just think about the athletes, though. Oh, God. Like, I, they had the I number one offense. Thinking about that, they had the number one offense at the University of Kentucky in 1996, and it's Danny Werfel. What? Danny Werfel was the quarterback for Steve Spurrier for the Sun and Gun offense. Yeah, but Mike Leach had the number one offense in the SEC that year. So, I was just asking about the Gus thing, just because of the connection. But you're right. Gus's motions, his sweeps, the ability to run with a big quarterback like Cam Newton, the wildcat that you saw, or the wild hog, yeah. like you said, you saw that at Arkansas. Um, I think Gus would be better suited if he could run the ball more. He always, he seems like his offenses always did better when they were able to run first. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that assessment or well, not. Well, that's why but... Nick Marshall did so well in 2013, because he's not an NFL quarterback, obviously. But he was a guy that could work in that system. Yeah, and they could run the ball. And again, you see the motions, the sweeps. And the other thing Gus always needed that you could get out of Florida, same with Leach, is if he had a little bit of speed, it was ball game because they get away from you with the with the formation, the motions, it's enough to confuse linebackers anyway. Next thing you know, they're doing a jet sweep handoff from the quarterback to the running back. And it's the, I mean, the guy's already in full speed, 
oh, when he yeah. catches the ball and it and it's done. You know, we saw well, that like, rainy down there in Florida. It's crazy. It's like we had Auburn in 2013 that had Ontario McCaleb, who was this tiny guy, like 150, but he would go on those but jets. Could fly. Screen, but he could fly. <laughs> like he gets somebody breathes on him and he's hitting the ground. But they didn't breathe on him because of the motion, and he knew how to get it in that guy's hand, and he could speed it. But, um, yeah, that's my opinion on Gus. It was one of those things where I think he had a top end. Um, I think that's going to be the case anywhere he goes. Uh, I love Gus. Uh, I hated when he got fired because I felt like he didn't have that losing season. But he was also stagnant at that eight wins, seven wins level. And I don't know that he was going to get back. He was going to get those recruits to push back up. But anyway, too much Auburn talk right now. Let's move on to the next game. And I've got a couple of points, and it's going to be a slow point. And I'm going to really drive it in. The Birmingham Bowl, Birmingham, Alabama. More on that later. I'm going to say those words a lot here. Duke 17, Troy 10. Um, Let's back. Hold it just a second. Speaking of Duke's good news, good news for Duke. Malik Murphy, Texas's number two quarterback, yes. is officially the trigger man at Duke. So Duke has That'll found their replacement for Riley Leonard, a very talented quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Um, He'll do well in the Duke, ACC for sure. Yeah, and with and of course um, with uh, the Hispanic guy coming from Penn State to Duke. I just Manny Diaz. Manny, Manny Diaz, Diaz is yes. coming, so so you're going to see that same sort of physicality. But Malik didn't really have he didn't really have a lot of opportunity at Texas, except when Ewers was out because they didn't want to put Arch Manning in. He did Arch well. Manning is na- Arch Manning's now number two, That's solidified right. behind Ewers. They they saved the red shirt. They don't have to worry about him unless he goes down in the playoff. Um, Arch will be ready to play, I guess. But I don't know that he's even clocked much playing time at all this year. <laughs> Uh, for in Austin, Arch Manning. But oh, I wanted to point that out. Because he's we redshirting, so he could only play in, what, four games? Is that what it is? And I don't know if he even played at all, if he appeared in any of those games. I think he did. I'd have to check. They, um, you know, they changed the redshirt rules a little bit. It used to be where you could only play in the first four games. Then they changed it to as long as you only play in four total games. So, Guys can play in bowl games and still redshirt that season now. And that's what I'm saying. Mathematically, they might have to be careful because if Ewers goes down for any reason, Malik Murphy's gone. Yeah. So he's on to Duke. So now if he goes down for any reason against either Washington or the winner of Alabama-Michigan, you might be tapping Arch to come in and do a Tagovailoa routine from the 18 national championship game. Well, he Maybe. may have. Don't he may know. have. I don't know how many games he's played in. I don't think he's played in four this year. So, and I may be misquoting it. That's just my memory of it. But I think that he could play in the bowl game, and he would. He would still be able to redshirt. I may be. Well, wrong, that's good for but him. But, but Duke I, Malik with- Murphy is is the perfect guy for the reason I believe in this transfer portal because this is the guy that's kind of getting squeezed out of the situation at Texas. Because yours yep. were there, so he wasn't the starter, and you got Arch Manning waiting in the wings. He needs to move on to somewhere else, and Duke's a good place. And like I said, I think he's going to do great in the ACC. I'm pretty ready to see that next year. Well, and I'll be honest with you, 
let's face it, Arch Manning's not going to wait forever. Right. So so if you don't have a plan with him, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you're going to lose him. Yep. And when, when a, a, a school the caliber of Ohio State sends their quarterback packing, and all of a sudden the buzz starts if Arch is going to transfer or not, you got to do something. So I think there may have been some internal things that work there. Arch, based on what I've seen, is probably a very good Sarkeesian uh, uh, pupil, somebody he can learn from, run that offense. We'll see what Evers does here in the bowl game when we talk about it. But what I wanted to say about this Georgia and – or not Georgia, excuse me, Duke and um, Troy game, Troy. you're right. The notes say it was very competitive. I watched this game. Buddy, yeah. Troy came to play, and I know that Duke's without a lot of guys. Don't get me wrong. Right, um, and that's and, why and we thought lost. Troy might win this game because Duke was Duke had a lot of guys opting out. So Troy is a pretty that, damn good football team. Yep, and Duke, of course, lost their head coach to A and M. They got yep. the new head coach waiting. He was in the game, uh, but yeah, Troy put up a great effort in this one. I just, you know, it's one of those things, and you hear me say it a lot on this show. You hear me talk about it a lot, Terry, when we talk privately or you know not on the show. Mm-hmm. They just ran out of gas. Duke just got one more play, you know, and and we talked about that as an example with the Georgia-Missouri game. Georgia just had a little bit more in the gas tank than Missouri that given day. But we I both think it comes down Missouri, to depth. Missouri's a great football team, you know? Yeah, even, even with the guys sitting out, Duke's got, I mean, you think about, you know, I try to categorize this, and when you're talking about a Power 5 team, the worst player on a power five teams normally going to be better than the worst player on a group of five team. So even though they had these guys sitting out, their depth was good enough to compete because Troy's just not going to have that depth. They're going to have some, you know, their best players are obviously going to be better than the average player on Duke, but that worst player is going to be far worse than the worst player on Duke. I believe Nebraska Talking about Troy, just as yeah. it was one of them early quote Cupgate games. I believe it was during the Callahan years. They they beat Troy by like a last minute field goal, and it was like forty two to forty five or thirty eight forty one, some obnoxious yeah. thing. And Troy took them to the limit. So they've got a history of of being a good football team. Uh, I don't like you said. We don't have to spend forever on it. Duke Duke things to know. Manny Diaz is coming. I would I would venture to say Duke's defense is going to be pretty strong next year mm-hmm. based on the fact that Manny Diaz led Penn State for the last couple. I would also argue that with Malik Murphy at the quarterback, the trigger man, he offers yes. a little bit more than Leonard had. Leonard wasn't necessarily the runner Murphy is. Right. But Murphy also had, and this is no disrespect to Elko at all, but Murphy also had the privilege and the and the fortune to be learning under Steve Sarkeesian and his offensive staff. You know how highly I think of Sark. Mm-hmm. Brilliant mind when it comes to offense. He's he is absolutely brilliant when it comes to offense. Very few people can can call a game the way Steve Sarkeesian can, which is why it's going to be very interesting when he and Kalen DeBoer coach against each other next Monday night absolutely. on the first of January. Um because they're both very offensive-minded. But Murphy's going to bring that experience with him, and that's education, Terry, that you can't pay for, learning from somebody like Sarkeesian. It's just like anybody that's learned defensive back 
dropbacks from Nick Saban or that's learned how to play the safety and corner position from Kirby Smart. You can't replace that. You you cannot replace the knowledge that those guys have in their particular expertise of that particular game. Nick Saban loves to coach his D-backs at Alabama. He's got great offense or defensive linemen. He's got great linebackers. He wants to work with the corners and safeties. Kirby was a safety at Georgia, so he loves to coach up the cornerbacks and the safeties and wants them to play. But he also loves working with those linebackers because he puts them in the blitz and all that stuff, and I could go on forever. But my point (laughs) is that that education that he got from one of the top offensive minds in the country, he gets to take that with him to Duke, and that matters. Now, we'll see who Diaz hires or keeps as a part of the offensive staff, but you and I watched Duke this year. We were pretty impressed with what Elko built there, but he's gone to A&M for a big check, so now it's Diaz's turn. He's back in the ACC, and we'll see. And with that, it's, I, I mean, it sounds let's, like let's, it's going to shape up to be pretty good for them next year. Um, I'll be hopeful for them. I think in the ACC, they're going to be at a good level of competition to 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 succeed. Obviously, yeah. we don't know what's going on. Obviously, the courts are involved with the Florida State thing. Is Florida State even going to be in the league next year? I don't even know that. They're going to have Clemson there. You know, there's going to be some other competition there. Miami's there. Um, but I think Duke, Duke's doing well for themselves with, with who they've hired for the coaching staff and um, who they got for a quarterback next year. And like you said, the defense should be improved and they're going to have a, a proven quarterback, in my opinion. At some level, he's proven. And that's going to be pretty exciting to see there. But let's move along to the next game, the Camellia Bowl. Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois. 21. Nebraska beat them. Nebraska beat them. We got to get that in. State 19. And I did pick Northern Illinois. This is one of those games where I'm like, this is sad to say this, but I picked against Arkansas State just because of the head coach. (laughs) I I picked Arkansas State, um, and they lost. (laughs) Um, so this game, I didn't really have a whole lot on it, Terry, kind of like you. Um, it oh, just... I forgot to make a point. Hold on. Before you say anything, my second point. Where was it held? It's a slow point. Where was it held, This Terry? was in Montgomery, Alabama. So we talked about mm-hmm. there was a bowl game, the Birmingham Bowl in Birmingham, Alabama. And the Camellia Bowl was in Montgomery, Alabama. And like I said before, more on that later. Continue on. Sir. Yeah. So, so no, I, I watched this game a little bit. I mean, I checked in on it, you know, that sort of thing. I didn't, I, I was not riveting by any means. The one thing we talked about is these pairings of conferences really do make for good matchups sometimes. This was a pretty even football game. You even noted that stats were pretty even, possessions, et cetera. Everything pretty even. Now, is this a game that I would go out of my way to watch? Absolutely not. But, um, okay, so I just got an ESPN alert, which is why I lost my train of thought. 
They just dumped the mayo on the West Virginia coach. That's so oh, disgusting. That is so oh. idiot. I mean, oh. as oh. as interesting as the Pop Tart Bowl is, and we'll talk about that later. I mean, I I sent you that picture of that trophy. It looks like a freaking oh. toaster with two Pop Tarts popping out of it, and they're supposed it's to great. eat a Pop Tart mascot. That Duke Mayo Bowl, where they dump mayonnaise on somebody, that is horrible. I can't imagine. I would love. I, and I know we're getting off track here. I would love, because you've seen the reaction as have I, if Nick Saban was in the Duke oh, Mayo Bowl God. and one of them jack wagons had the gall to grab the like, mayo like you, they were going to it on Nick Because you've seen how pissed he gets off over to Gatorade. Oh, don't be God. pouring mayonnaise on him. <laughs> Somebody, and I don't know what coach this was, but. A reporter said something about the Gatorade shower, and he corrected them. Said, "We're a Coca-Cola school. That was Powerade." <laughs> nice. The, uh, but again, on the on the Arkansas Illinois game, it was another game, guys. I, I don't have anything else to tell our fans, Terry. It was pretty even. It was nothing, another... nothing really jumped out with the stats or anything. I didn't watch it. No, nah, and it was not. It was just another bowl game. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'm saying. It was just another game. So Good let's move Northern on to Terry. Let's move on to Terry's favorite school, Air Force. Yeah, so I picked this one. Victory, Even though they were dropping over- off like Syracuse, Air Force with James- a ten-point win against James Madison. So we can shut them up a little bit. Air Force three hundred and fifty-one yards rushing to James Madison's picked- twenty-six. I picked James Madison, and oh, I you were I, wrong about that. I, no, this this was one of the things I was going to go click back, <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I decided it was James Madison. They're I've done that win. so many times. And they That's what did I did not. with Rice. They, yeah, they certainly did not win, buddy. That was awful. Um, Thirty-seven minutes Mad- of possession. I mean, they held the ball. They played defense. They ran the ball. That's the kind of football you and I really enjoy. We don't want to see yep. people airing it out. We want to see. People hitting people, knocking them back, running back, running down somebody's throat. That's what we enjoy. Well, and to that point, the next game, the Potato Bowl, Georgia State 45, Utah State Oh, God, I got no notes on Utah State. I picked Utah Utah State, number one. They had most most of their team, number two. Yeah. This is a... This is a Pac-12 or Mountain West team, so this is a team that I thought I've seen play, and they've played well before. Yeah. Let me read it to our fans just in case they don't know. Georgia State, early 21-point lead, 643 yards of offense, 386 rushing, game control, 36-12 clock, and Georgia State's running back had 276 yards, 24 carries, one touchdown. That's over 10 Absolutely. yards Absolutely. Buddy, they dog walked fucking. And that means the fact that that he got one touchdown on that tells me, you know, a lot of times you get these big numbers based on them breaking a big run like that. This was consistent. It had Mm -hmm. to be consistent for him to only get one touchdown. 24 carries, 276 yards, and one touchdown. Either somebody ran him down or he was making big chunks every time he touched the ball. I never gave Georgia State a chance. Good for them. Me nice win, neither. guys. You, I, I never gave them a chance in this and one. They, so they didn't, this is not a program. So here's the history of Georgia State. I don't know how many years they've been around, but this Georgia State program did not exist 
and then created Mm -hmm. out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And Bill Curry, former Alabama coach, led this team initially. Apparently, it's a pretty big Mm -hmm. school. You know, it's one of those schools that's large that didn't have a football program before, and then they did. So they might have some resources just based on how big they are. So that was good. But they put in a few years of playing some really tough games against some big-name teams. Bill Curry led them the first few years, and that's one of the things. Like you said, you didn't give them enough credit. I didn't either. Maybe I need to give give them a little more credit in the future because they just dominated yep. this game. Absolutely. Well, and this is one of those deals where you have the Power Five versus the you know group of five. Yeah. As long as Utah State's in the Pac-12, I don't think they are now. They used to be. No, they're not. I think they're in the Mountain West. I honestly don't know. So so it's group of five, group of five. But anyway, I've I've seen Utah State play good football. So I was more familiar with them than Georgia State. But anyway, good for Georgia State. Big win. Like you said, that's some good history. Now, for the shenanigans, let's go to the 68 Ventures Bowl. (laughs) What a stupid name. South Alabama, 59. Third point. Hold East. on, hold on, hold on. Third point. Oh, okay. 68 bad. Venture Bowl. Where was this game held? Mobile, Mobile. Alabama. And yep. once again, I say more on that later. Anyway, South Alabama, absolutely Mobile, dominated Alabama. this game. Completely. Yeah, 59 Michigan to 10. Scored, Eastern Michigan scored 10 points. 10 points. This is what I told you about directional schools last week. Who gives a fuck? Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Northern Illinois, Southern Illinois. I don't give a shit about a directional school. Tell us about the total yards difference in this game, Andrew. Oh, my God. So you read total yards, South Alabama, 627. Michigan, Eastern Michigan, excuse me, 150. Good Lord. University of Southern Alabama rushed for 300 yards and passed for 300 yards. And the only action Eastern Michigan had in this was the sucker punch after the game <laughs> that started the brawl. That's the Plenty only play they that. had. Buddy, that that was a shit show. You go ahead, Terry. Tell us about it. Well, and Eastern then right Michigan. before, like an hour ago, I see an article, a local article here in Alabama, saying that four assistant coaches from South Alabama got fired today. And you're like, yep. they won 59 to 10. They had big expectations this year in the Conference USA, and they went four and four. I think this is the level they expected to play. I mean, they had a huge game against Oklahoma State earlier in the season, and then they dropped off. And I think yep. that what happened is they think a lot better of themselves than what they've seen this year. And even though they won this game by 49 points, they said, we are better than this. We've got to get a better staff in here to be more consistent and good for them. You know, you win big and you still have aspirations to be bigger. That's all I'm saying. All right, there. Terry. Three. It. I, I think you have something for us concerning <laughs> I do. the – the Alabama okay. games. We've got one in Birmingham, one in Montgomery, and one in Mobile, just to remind our fans. All right. So, so here's Terry, the thing. It is as later. an Alabama native. I said more on go. that later. I said more on that later. Yeah. And here we go. Birmingham, Montgomery, and Mobile all had a bowl game the same day. They were real shitty bowl games, but whatever. Huntsville is the largest city in the state of Alabama. We don't have a bowl game. 
Now, I understand. I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Birmingham is surrounded by bigger cities. So if you talk about the metro in Huntsville versus the metro in Birmingham, we don't compete. But we compete with Montgomery and Mobile. I mean, Mobile's on the beach. Okay, great. Whatever. We got rockets and shit, you know. It's exciting here. Huntsville's the new place, the fun place in Alabama. We need a bowl game. Here's my thing. T and A bowl. How does that sound? T and A bowl. Now, I know that sounds like something that would be in Las Vegas, but we thought of it first. T and A bowl. Just think about it. Terry specifically thought of it first. Okay. Well, anyway, speaking of Las Vegas, let's move along. Las Vegas bowl was one of the most boring games (laughs) that we've seen so far. Now that we got past my whole TNA bowl concept there to our I like TNA. Listen, Vegas, Vegas Bowl, Northwestern 14, Utah 7. Okay. So we probably should have warned our listeners about this game, Terry, because we're better hosts than that. Yeah. Utah has a tendency to play defense. Really good defense. They do. And Northwestern was not known to score. So we probably should have alerted people that this is not the game to watch if you're sleepy because your ass is going to bed. Well, I hate but, to say it, but Utah just may be the Iowa of the Pac-12. Definitely, because without um, – I lost his name. They need him to come back. Cam Rising. He's injured. Cam Rising, thank you. Without Cam Rising, that offense is nothing. They, I mean, that yeah. Florida team they beat would not have lost – Without camera, without camera right. rising, pulling the trigger. So, uh, fourteen to seven, Northwestern wins. The interim coach is now the head coach. Gets his first bowl win. Big deal, because quite frankly, when you have the influx of the extra four teams coming from the Pac-12 next year, Northwestern moves down the ladder. Do. And there's there's no real nice way to say it. But and they've been a good story this guy. year. I mean, we we talked about coaches getting fired, and sometimes there's no motivation. That is the entire story for Northwestern this year. Their coach yeah, didn't get fit. fired week 10. Mm-mm. Their coach got nope. fired really early based on scandal, based on yep. harassment hazing. kind of stuff, hazing and that kind of stuff. Hazing. And, you know, yep. when that kind of stuff happens, these players are going to rally. And that's what Northwestern did this year for good for them. You know, as boring as I said this game was, I got to give some praise for Northwestern for the season that they've had and for Bryson Barnes. As much as we said that Utah could not get a passing game going, and neither team had 300 yards total offense. So it was pretty bad from that perspective. Bryson Barnes is in the transfer portal, and he played this football game. And I explained last week the horrible situation that Utah had at quarterback. Bryson Barnes played as a starting quarterback in this football game as he sat in the transfer portal. And like I said last week, I didn't even know you could do that. But he did it. You know, obviously the offense wasn't running on all cylinders, but he played. And good for him. Yep. Good for Utah. They've dealt with a lot this year. Good for Northwestern. Um, You know, I'm glad they got to at least go to Vegas and have some fun there. Football game wasn't all that great, but, you know, these are two teams that have both been through a lot, and I'm glad to see them, you know, get something out of it. I agree. 
I 100% agree with you. I thought Bryson Barnes was a great story this year for Utah. As you know, I picked them to win the Pac-12, which they did not. But um, I think Cam Rising offers a Cam Rising offers a completely different look for them. And of course, Whittingham's going to have his defense humming and strumming there. But they're moving to the Big Ten or Big Twelve, excuse me. So Utah in the Pac-12 is no more. They're moving into the Big Twelve. That's an offensive-minded conference, as is the Pac-12, so it's they not anything compete. that's going to scare them. They can compete in the Big 12 for sure. Absolutely. Particularly with the exit of Oklahoma and Texas. And I don't want to disparage the other teams, but with the dispar- with the exit of Oklahoma and Texas, Utah's probably coming in the Big 10 or Big 12. I keep saying Big 10. Probably coming into the Big 12 as one of the better programs that they the entire group is going to have. You I mean, know? you got Oklahoma State sitting there, which might be the favorite. Oh, we haven't talked about a man for two weeks, Terry. Don't we have it's but Mike Gundy. Uh, he's he's fifty three. He's a man. I think he's fifty six, fifty nine. However old he is, I said like sixty three or something. I was way off, but yeah, I think with and, a mullet. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that kind of stuff because I have not looked at those schedules. I kind of wonder what kind of games they have in the regular season. Obviously, the SEC schedule came out last week, and there's been a lot of talk about that. I haven't seen the Big Ten schedules as much. I've seen a couple of them, and I haven't seen the Big 12. I'd like to dig into those and really get a feel. I think what I'm going to do leading into next season is create a giant spreadsheet, a lot of pages, Oh God! and pick every regular season game. Here he goes. Does that mean I get to do that too? Hey, if you want to do it, I'll I, I can I can email it to you and you can pick it all. <laughs> we can do it in the notes like we do here. Oh God, I don't want that much notes. I'm trying to cut back and on then the I'll, notes. And then I'll give you shit about why you're wrong. <laughs> oh, there'll be plenty of that. That's what's fun. Why don't we go ahead and move along to the Hawaii Bowl? Um, obviously that's in Hawaii. I would hope so at least. Um you know, the Bahamas Bowl was smart enough not to call it the Bahamas Bowl when it's in North Carolina this year. But anyway, the Hawaii Bowl, Coastal Carolina against San Jose State. Coastal Carolina wins 24-14, and honestly, I picked San Jose State because I knew that Coastal Carolina's starting quarterback was out. And when I see a team like Coastal Carolina that's done pretty well and their starting quarterback's out, I expect them to fall apart, and they did not. Ethan Vasco. You never heard of him. Backup quarterback for Coastal Carolina. He came in at quarterback. He threw for 199 and three touchdowns, no interceptions. He held on to the ball. That was good. And I think the deciding factor in this game, San Jose State had lost two fumbles, and that probably decided the game. Yeah, so that's a that's obviously a big deal. We talk about fundamentals every week. As long as you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win football games. And uh, good for them. Coastal Carolina, obviously, right here in Carolina is where I'm at. Yep. Um, we know a little bit about them. They're okay. They 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 sell some tickets, but they're not App State. They're not North Carolina. They're certainly not the Wolfies or Duke. Um, oh, there's another team, too. I just lost it. Wake Forest, you know. I always forget Wake Forest. Right. But anyway – um, Coastal Carolina had a great quarterback, like you said, but he he announced early he was in the transfer portal, which may have been to their advantage because at least they practiced with the backup quarterback. There's one thing, too, that 
that Terry and I don't want to disparage these backup quarterbacks because they practiced every week the same as the starting quarterback. They really did. But there is a difference in play level when you're talking about a junior or senior three years in the system versus a freshman who ain't snapped the ball except in garbage time. That's a big difference in the quality of play. So, well, like then the said, expectation is when you got a backup quarterback at Texas and you got a backup mm-hmm. quarterback at Coastal Carolina, you got a little more confidence that the backup at Texas can come in and do well because he's probably a yeah. four star guy. Coastal Absolutely. Carolina, two star is what you're expecting. Luckily, yeah. So that takes care well, of that well. one. Next up, I got this one because this is the Take Big it. Ten, Terry. Quick lane bowl. <laughs> Minnesota 30, Bowling Green 24. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play defense. Minnesota 255 only gave up 82 yards rushing. That's right. And Minnesota's Minnesota's running back 208 yards, 35 carries. 208, 35 carries. That is professional level, old school football right there, where the running backs used to work five to six years and then they had to retire because they were so beat up. those well, it reminds me of Carnell Williams numbers. getting 40-something carries. You know, mm-hmm. he would do that two or three games in a row. And you think, well, he's getting all those yards because he's getting so many carries. But, you know, you know how much his body is taking a beating getting that many carries? Fun fact, because he used to be one of my favorite players when I did watch professional football. Jerome Bettis oh, yeah. had over 10,000 carries as a Pittsburgh Steeler. He only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. But he got it done. But he got it done. There were some big ones, and then there were some ones he didn't do nothing on. So you it know all what 3.1 out. times 4 is? That's a first, first down. down. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first down. But really, one of the biggest, I mean, just a 275-pound workhorse. But he was old school. He'd carry the ball, what? 35, 40 times a game, oh, yeah, and and they just wear those defenses out. So that's what this reminds me of. Also wanted to point out, Minnesota was 5-7 and seven this year. Based on academic record and the ability to go win, they got a bowl game based, you know, based on their performance. They win this bowl game. 6-7 and seven ends up being the record with the bowl game. Uh, good for P.J. Fleck. Good for, good for that program. Definitely. Another win. Um, because, again... There's an influx of talent coming to the Big Ten next year. There's four teams, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA, that can play football. They can. So, all um, of them. All of them can play football. So that's good for them. Nice job. And then today, Terry, I picked Rice to beat Texas State. And I don't oh, know at why. Least you're, I don't I'm know not the only one. Either. I don't know why I picked Rice uh, either. <laughs> it did not work for either I, of us. I tur- I turned the game on, and Rice just got the doors blown off of them. Mashed. Um, I mean, just less garbage. than two hundred yards of offense, and they threw five. Oh, that was interceptions. That, that was yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. Yeah, so he throws five interceptions. Uh, six turnovers are too much. Exactly. I mean, this was bad. And then the coup de gras of last night. Because I want to talk about this one. Yeah. The guaranteed rate bowl. Good Lord. We're just making shit up. (laughs) See, TNA top 10 bowl sounds perfect to me. Bring it to Huntsville, people. 
Because if we can get the guaranteed rate bowl, we ought to be able to be on a bowl game. Uh, Kansas 49, UNLV 36. Kansas, 591 yards of offense. With a backup quarterback. With the backup quarterback who threw 449 for six yards. um, Six touchdowns. Played a lot. Or six touchdowns, excuse me. Went back and forth with Jalen Daniels to start four years is what Terry wrote here. But I have some other notes that Terry did not put in our Uh-oh, notes. What here. you got? What you got? What you got? Oh, th- this I got the stats, buddy. Uh-oh. This is the stat line for I this was game. Missing you ready? Some stuff. He's going to inform me here. I'm going to inform Terry of what he's missing. So the big thing that you want to note on this particular game is Kansas played got 22 first downs, six for 12 on third down, 591 total yards, 449 passing. 9 for 28, 16 a yards per, three interceptions thrown, and here's the one that made me stand, 142 rushing yards. Here's the one that stands out. 18 penalties, 216 <laughs> yards. So, they still got for it. Those of you, <laughs> so for those of you playing along at home, Kansas actually had 800 yards of offense. And they got 218 of it taken away. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This game. Or, you know, you could say that. I get some of them could have been defensive penalties. But 216 yards of penalty. We just talked about a game where they didn't. We talked about a game where they didn't get 300 yards total of offense for either team. They're proving us wrong on this whole thing about being disciplined. They're like, screw being disciplined. We're just going to air it out. We're going to throw interceptions. We're going to make penalties, and we're still going to stomp them in the ground. And the only thing I can say about that is UNLV has to be an awfully shit football team. (laughs) And honestly, I didn't know. I mean, this was a game. I looked at it. I was like, I want to believe in Kansas here. But without their starting quarterback, I don't know because that that is such a oh. huge impact, and I didn't know how to affect even as it. I'm big, glad I picked them. As big, the offensive coordinator was gone to Penn State. Right. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Well, offensive coordinator gone, quarterback gone, and they still put up these gaudy ass numbers in offense and big and had the penalties and the turnovers and they win the football game and to your point earlier in our text message buddy or on the meme i sent you they still covered the spread (laughs) (laughs) somebody knew something we didn't know and they knew that today too because you and i have some disappointment to report to our fans god we do virginia tech 41 Tulane 20 three games into the season Tulane played our buddy big game lane at Ole Miss. Right. And Ole Miss had their damn hands full with Tulane. And at the end of the game, I think Ole Miss just outlasted them, had a little more stamina, a few more players on the field. Tulane loses this by three scores today. In the rain, I get it. 362 rushing yards for Virginia Tech. And they never looked back. Virginia Tech, after that second, after the Put first half, uh, sec- when the third quarter started, it was all Virginia Tech. And the and quarterback Frank Beamer ain't the head coach Tech. no more. Right. So Woo. Virginia Tech's quarterback, Tyron Drones, I guess that's how you say his name. See, this is not a guy we've talked about. 20 carries for 176 yards and a touchdown, and he threw for two more touchdowns. So this yep. guy showed up. 
and they yep. played came to play one. Yeah, and there was no doubt about it the whole time. Yeah, and do is do I read this right? Not to not to jump too far ahead. Obviously, West Virginia over North Carolina in the most disgusting celebration ever. West Virginia's coach gets the mayo dumped on, and that's <laughs> so gross. Yeah, everybody's yeah. I did up, not update that because. When I was putting the notes together, it was while that game was just getting started. So I don't have the updated notes. But but Louisville yeah, and USC happened. and AM and Oklahoma State playing tonight? That's unless I did it wrong. I believe that's I believe so. Um and I believe the game I was looking at, and I've got the TV on, folks. So let's see. Yeah, AM and Oklahoma State's on right now. And let me take a look at that real quick and I'll give you a, a live update. Three to nothing, Oklahoma. Oh, never mind. We just got a field goal to tie it up. Three to three, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M in the first. Old school Big 12 matchup there, Oklahoma State and A&M. Yep. Um, so that would be a fun one to watch um, for those of our fans that like that sort of thing. Um, and I have not really seen Louisville. I have not seen the Louisville-USC score. Let me turn it over there real quick. I got Last it right time here, I saw buddy. seven nothing, but. 28-14, USC has apparently come to play. Oh, my goodness. And I think Who's playing quarterback I I, for USC? I don't know. It ain't Caleb Williams. Good but Lord. I, I think, I'm going to lose think another I, football game. I'd say I think I pick Louisville to win this because Caleb Williams sat out along with both of his receivers, a running back, and several others, you know? What in the world is going on in Kentucky? No idea. Louisville is supposed to be a Buddy, good football team. What happened to them? Should we just give Bryant the trophy for our pool? <laughs> did he pick over? USC? I don't Tell know. Tell me he did, he did not. not. I didn't look. Oh, God. He's going to smash us. We're going to have to put the rankings of the or top five or something like that. of the uh, Quarterback's name is Moss, and he is 13 for 18, 218 yards and four touchdowns in right the first now. half. <laughs> Good yep. Lord. Wow. Yep. And, Ball games, man. Uh, this is why it's exciting. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. Well, and, and USC has been a garbage defense football team. And they, they have. I mean, Louisville's, Louisville's only got 14 points. So man, this is setting uh, up for Washington walking away with a national championship. <laughs> stop it. Stop it right now. I will not have you. Start that nonsense. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, did I see a new note you shared with me? Oh, oh no, yeah, yeah. No oh, tell. you have those notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's about <laughs> Vegas, baby. Um, okay, so let's move on, Terry, to the Bulls over the next few days. Yeah, so let's get into it. it. The first two really kind of pissed Fenway me Fenway Park. So, Fenway Park in the okay. snow. Really? So we've got we've got the Fenway Bowl. I'm going to talk about two of them at the same time here. Why we do this, I don't know. We got the Fenway Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl, and if I'm not mistaken, these are happening at the same time. We got two bowl games at historic baseball stadiums. We got to put them on TV at the same damn time. Who came up with that? So the Fenway Who Bowl. Who booked this shit? Tell them, Terry. Who booked? Oh, this that's shit? what I put it in. Who booked this shit? So right. So we've got SMU against Boston College. So we're talking Boston College playing at Fenway Park. This is one of those. Yep. There's a few here that are semi-home games. Some of them are straight-up home games. 
But this one is not yeah, their Rutgers, home stadium. Rutgers, Miami isn't too far. I mean, Rutgers obviously is in Jersey, right. but it's not that far from New York. Yeah, we definitely have some home game things, and I'll get to those later. But SMU, Boston College, um, SMU's got a backup quarterback. Um, but he did play in their conference championship game, so that's a big thing. But Boston College having home field advantage, I would think, would be big. Um, Pinstripe Bowl is Rutgers and Miami. I wonder, you know, wonder what the weather's going to be like. So that's tomorrow. I don't, I have not looked at the weather, but Miami playing up north in a bowl game. I've seen these games be in the snow before. Miami in the snow would be interesting. I would like to see it. I want to see Miami. And there's not a more deserving program. Exactly. Right. Tell them, I think we agree on that. So, Pop-Tart um, Bowl. Let's talk about the Pop-Tart Bowl. So then one of the most intriguing games, not necessarily for the game itself, but because of the after-game celebration, this will be the first time we see this, the Pop-Tarts Bowl in Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, North Carolina State in Kansas State. Should be a decent game. Probably ends up being a blowout. Who knows? Because we can't pick crap. The winner eats the Pop-Tart mascot i don't even know what those words mean but i'm gonna tune in just to find out not just a giant pop tart but the mascot it sounds gross we've got to see it so kansas state quarterback is out he is in the transfer portal north carolina state quarterbacks out he's in the transfer portal and um, a lot of players sitting out on both sides. So who the hell knows what we're going to get? Yeah. And from there, we're going to go to the Alamo Bowl. That's a good and one. And I'm teeing you up here, Terry. It's Arizona, Oklahoma. Arizona's a good football team. But their quarterback is one of those guys that within the last five days has transferred out of the program. Oklahoma is without their quarterback, who is now an Oregon Duck. Mm-hmm. And they will have Jackson Arnold, as you have in the notes here, five-star five star. freshman QB, and they have burned his red shirt, by the way. He okay. is a true freshman. Didn't know if you knew that, but when uh, what's-his-name went down, the current, the former quarterback that will let him do a 10-2 and two season, when he went down, they had to play him. They played him too much, and they've already burned his red shirt. So he okay. is done. He is um, he is the guy. And um, like you said, Arizona had a handful of opt-outs. But, Terry, I'd like you to recount your story <laughs> of your of your uh, interaction with one of our idiot idiots on uh, line. Not Dave, by the way. No, this was an Oklahoma an fan. He's got a good point. This guy. So, you know, I kind of said it in the intro that there are a lot of idiots out there. So I saw... And I know better than this. I learned this lesson several times a year. I know better than to say things in college football groups. They are full of morons. But the other day, I saw an intriguing picture. It was asking the question between Texas, Oklahoma, USC, and UCLA. I'm not sure why Washington and Oregon were not included. Which of those four teams are going to do the best in their future conferences? And I thought, that's a pretty good question. I said, I think Texas will do best. Because currently, I feel like they have the best program of the four. 
and both of the conferences they're going to are stacked. So, of course, that pissed off an Oklahoma fan because he thought me saying that Texas had a better program right now than Oklahoma was just disastrous, and I didn't know why. He asked me immediately, have you never watched college football before? And I'm like, you know, Texas is in the college football playoff right now, and your team's playing a meaningless bowl game. My team's playing a meaningless bowl game too. So it's not, I'm not really digging on you, but it's just the facts. Well, he couldn't take that. So he thought, um, you know, immediately he thinks that some bowl game that Auburn played against Oklahoma in 2017 was the, I had some kind of vendetta. I had to look it up because I don't remember that. Okay. Like number five, Oklahoma beat number 24, Auburn by 10 or something. Who cares? Texas is better than Oklahoma. Get over it, idiot. So anyway, that that was the reason I put that in the intro. Some of these people, I've learned my lesson over and over again. A lot of times I type out responses and I just delete it because I work out what I would have said. And then I'm like, it's not even worth it to say anything in these groups because these people are just blind fans that have no idea about reality. And this was one of those guys. One of the things that annoys me about the idiots, as you called them, is, and they may be very smart football fans, but to your point, blind loyalty, not willing to accept or understand the realities of the limitations of your football team. I am not that guy. You want to talk X's and O's. You want to talk about plays. You want to talk about decisions. I'm your guy. You want to talk about blind rah 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 boomer sooner beat your chest doesn't matter what the record is I'm not I'm not that guy um, and I've been a Nebraska fan since as long as I've been a wrestling fan which now is 35 years so there you go I mean I've been a, I, I have blindly followed them all the way for the titles and but I'm also very realistic you hear me talk very realistically about my football team. I know what their limitations are. When you turn the ball over 31 times in a season, you're not going to have a winning season. You're just not. Um, But anyway, I have a friend who ribs me for being an Alabama fan. He says, you can't have two teams. I said, why the hell not? (laughs) I think I saw a comment from this guy the other day. I organically started watching Alabama and just happened to love Alabama football. When Nick Saban retires, guess what? I'll still watch Alabama football. You know why? Because they have captured me as a fan. Now, that's not to say. Because you're ready to see them lose. That's why. As I told him, (laughs) if Nebraska draws Alabama, there's only one team I'm rooting for. That's right. And if they were to draw them in a bowl game, there's only one team I'm picking. And it ain't the tie. It's Nebraska. So... I get the blind thing a little bit, but I'm also very realistic. We had three quarterbacks that turned the ball over in the same game a total of five times. There's a lot of limitations there. So when Dylan Riola, excuse me, I wanted to call him his daddy's name, Dominic. When Dylan Riola signed up to be the quarterback at the University of Nebraska, it is a big fucking deal. It is. But we got a lot of other things to work on as well. So this Oklahoma guy. Boomer Sooner, I love watching the football team, the program, because Nebraska-Oklahoma goes back for so long. But the Colorado-Nebraska rivalry was more the bigger one. Mm-hmm. People like that, though, that can't accept. And, and you see this a lot. Uh, Miami fans are this way. 
Michigan fans can be terrible about it. Ohio State fans. Auburn can um, be this way. I mean, got to be realistic. Yeah, Alabama, Georgia. Um, but you this know, is the I reason. Got... I mean, this is the reason I said what I said last week. So they they say this nonsense about you go 0-11 and, and win the Iron Bowl and it's a good season. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I like to beat Alabama, a, especially with Nick game. Saban there. But if Auburn had won the Iron Bowl this year, they still had a worse season than Alabama, even if they kept them out of the playoff. And that's what this guy couldn't see. And that's what I explained yeah. to him. I said, take it from an Auburn fan. Beating your rival doesn't mean you had as good a season as them. I've, I've, I, I've had this I, happen multiple I, times. And I don't know about you, Terry, but I'm about done with the college debate on who's in and who's out because you get these people that just want to bulldog you and repeat the same thing they said over and over again. Okay, I heard you the first time. I heard you the right. second time. I heard you the third time. Well, it's also they the start point. laughing and calling you a moron and stuff, and it's like, dude, Texas is in the playoff. Yep. That's your data point. Oklahoma well, is and the, not in the playoff. I mean, and how Texas, are you arguing the, against that at all? And the argument's the same in a way. Well, Oklahoma beat Texas, but Texas got in the playoff. Alabama right. beat – or uh, Texas beat Alabama, but Alabama ended up in the playoff, you know. Yeah, hopefully we, got the, hopefully we got the best four teams. Um, blame it on Auburn again. Say, it's always blame it on Auburn with the U UCF National it. Championship, Alabama getting in the playoff. Blame it on Auburn. Hey, Go ahead. When am We're I getting? When am I getting my? When am I getting my new mug that says second and twenty six and fourth and thirty one? <laughs> I don't know. You won't get it from me, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Roll Tide. Anyway, uh, so, where were we here? Let's see. We're here. on the Gator Bowl, buddy. We go into Jacksonville and a very good matchup potentially. Clemson, Kentucky. Clemson's got three starters opting out on defense. That's a big deal. Kentucky, Ray Davis is expected to play. Now remember that's, that's the running back. That's the Hawks. Who they who they thought could be a Heisman trophy. And he didn't get no love in the Heisman trophy running. Um but that's the Alamo Bowl. Or no, that's not the Alamo Bowl. Gator that's Bowl. the Gator Bowl. And that's in Jacksonville 29th. Um, I like Clemson in this just because yeah. they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think Kentucky does too. But I think Clemson's just a more talented football team. Even at 8-4, and four, I think they're a more they talented are. football team. I mean, team. They, they've recruited better. And, you know, reality is reality. And we like Stoops, you know. We we both do like Stoops. We think he's a good coach, but it reality is it's Clemson against Kentucky, and yeah. they both have good coaches, but there's a talent gap here, big now, time. We would like to see Kentucky win this football game. That's just not the expectation we have. No, I don't think so. And you know, being in being in Jacksonville, it really doesn't make that big a difference because they're. But what I like to see is the ACC SEC. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, you know, I just, I think Kentucky's a good football game, football team. I don't, I don't think they've got the athletes though, to take Clemson down even this year, right? Even this year. And I say yeah. this year, cause they're eight and four because Clemson up till this year hadn't lost 
two games in 10 years. So they've had a hell of a run, you know, more than 10 games in two years. Moving on from that, Terry, the coachless Oregon State Beavers. Oh, God. Taking on Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl, El Paso, Texas. Notes, two quarterbacks in the transfer portal for Oregon State. Jonathan Smith went to Michigan State, and they both said, fuck this, we're out. That's right. So DJ's, out. DJ's gone. Where did he land? Did he end up at Florida State? He is somewhere in the ACC. I can't. I don't. Florida I don't State know that he's committed to anywhere, but he's I headed that Florida direction. State. Yeah, that's that's what I'm understanding. <laughs> I think that might have been a big factor in Tate Rotomaker announcing that he was leaving. Yep. And then you said Oregon State, the running back, it was arrested and suspended for a DUI. Yeah. Starting suspected DUI. It's like what the hell? Final eight game of the season. Sam Hartman has opted out. Redshirt freshman will start. Notre Dame OC is headed to be the head coach of Troy. Lots of offensive players out for Marcus Freeman's Notre Dame team. I expect that defense, though, to be good enough to stop the Beavers. As fun as the Beavers have been to play, they don't have enough offensive talent to stop Notre Dame's defense. I think Notre Dame gets this bowl win. It's been a long time for them, but they get this one, Terry. Yeah, and I think if either of the two quarterbacks would have stayed at Arizona State, I might feel differently. But with both of them gone, the starter and the backup. Yeah, you meant you meant Oregon State, but same deal. Yeah, yeah. Did I say Ohio State? You said Arizona State. That's even worse. Good Lord, I'm way off. Anyway, so yeah, Arizona State. So if either of the top two quarterbacks had stayed, I think they could have done well. But I don't know what to expect from the third guy. Yeah. But so the I'm guy, going, I mean, I'm, this guy started eight games this year. This is the third string yeah. quarterback. And I mean, he's got a lot of experience. So this might be one of those where we have a lot of confidence in Notre Dame, but Oregon State may pull it off. It's probably going to be a decent game. Could be, yes, sir. I like the defense of Notre Dame, though. You know I've been high on them all year. They've been pretty yes. good. Um, and you like you said, their defense is fairly well intact. It's the offense that's questionable. So I like that. Moving on from there, we got the Liberty Bowl. This is in Memphis. Memphis versus Iowa State. God help Memphis us all, Memphis is home field. This is actually yeah. where they play their home games. Played Huge. in Memphis's home field. And like you said, the roster's fairly balanced. Yeah. Um, I would give Iowa State the edge in this one just because they play in a larger conference. That's right. We've seen the athletes that, that the Power Five brings versus the group of five. So yep. I know we're not doing score predictions, but if you're asking me for a winner, even at right. home, I think Iowa State could probably pull this one out. And I think they said that's kind of like what you just said. It's um, it takes a lot for those group of five teams to compete with Power Five. Yeah, but now for the fuck Ohio State of the week, brought to you by <laughs> yours truly from Arlington, Texas, in Jerry's World, AT and T Stadium. It's the Cotton Bowl, and you know I picked Missouri because fuck Ohio State, today, tomorrow, and forever. I'll never pick them, ever. Eli Jerkowitz 0-2, as you put in the notes here. But Kyle McCord, the 11-1 starting quarterback for Ohio State, said, peace, guys, I'm not listening to your fan base no more. And he's out. So He's out, I'm but going. nobody else is out. That's the big thing here. Harrison has not opted out. Nobody else has opted out. 
McCord is the only guy that's opted out here. Yeah, but here's the problem. The only guy has been your fucking trigger man. So I get that. I get that. that but we've that, seen these backup court and this is this is a recruiting school. I don't know who this backup is because his name has not been out there, but he's not a two star guy. No, he's gonna be a five star guy. You this and I is both gonna know be that. a capable quarterback. And if they put but the right I'm, game plan in place to utilize him, everybody else surrounding him is going to help. Here's the difference, though. Missouri brings a good offense to play that can play with yes. Ohio State's defense. We saw that against Georgia. Um, we saw it against up. Florida because Florida had a gamey defense. This is a great game. That's it's what I'm really great. getting at, the Terry. The best even, game even, so far. Absolutely. Even with the fuck Ohio State joke that I, it's not even a joke. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life, really. But um, the fuck Ohio State part. But Durkowitz will have these guys ready. That offensive game plan that he has always going to be very good. We're going to see a nice chess match, I think, versus the offensive and defense on both sides. And remember, Missouri's defense is very, very capable. We saw this team dog walk Tennessee. And if I'm not mistaken, that was in the Rocky Top. So Tennessee took that big L at yeah. home against Missouri. Um, and Cody Schaefer and, is one of the running backs that probably doesn't get enough credit nationally because he has had they some never even, dominant games. They never even whispered Heisman Trophy for him, but he's like the McCaffrey with the all-purpose yards because he, he does is. kick return, he does running, he passes. I mean, the guy does everything. He, right. I mean, he's even thrown the damn ball as a running back. Um, but you, you don't hear, you don't, you don't hear him, hear his name mentioned. And I think maybe if they had a little bit higher profile season, you might have. But Missouri, as I've said it for mo for months now, that's a great football team. We know what Ohio State's capable of. All of my rhetoric about them aside, Ohio State's got an excellent defense. It's better than excellent. It's elite, top five in the country. They've got yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver. He's a dangerous weapon. But Missouri's got the speed and the physicality to play with Ohio State. So that's what makes this good game. I'm going Missouri because I've been on that bandwagon. And fuck Ohio State. Sorry, Yambag Jones. Getting Missouri gets it done in the Cotton Bowl. They finally get the big win. McCord absence is going to be too much to overcome that's how i see this one interesting so that wraps up see i'm not i'm not convinced you know we can change around i'm not sure if you've done this but those those picks are not locked until 30 minutes before game time or so so i have shifted a bit um that one i'm not real sure i think i'm still leaning ohio state here um i would love to see cody schaefer go off that's a guy that I want to see do well, but I just feel like even with McCord missing, they're going to have somebody to plug in and everybody else surrounds. And I think, to me, Missouri is the Penn State of the SEC. They're very good. They just couldn't beat those top teams. And I think – Ohio State's one of those teams that Penn State couldn't beat. I think it carries over to Missouri. So I'm probably going to Ohio State unless I change my mind. That's just what I'm thinking at the moment. But let's move on to December 30th. 
And the first game here is in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, a place that you know pretty well. And another very good game between the SEC and the Big Ten, Ole Miss against Penn State in the Peach Bowl. This is going to be good. Tuscaloosa East, baby. <laughs> um, and these teams are intact. Nobody's Benz. opting out here. These, this, this is one, Penn State against an Ole Miss. This is not a this is not a, a JV game like some other games I want are. All, I want everybody to start this one along with the one we just talked about: Ohio State, Missouri, Penn State, and and uh, Ole Miss. Here have the have the potential to be the show stealers of the bowl season. These two games. What you're going to see in this game is. James Franklin's grinded out defense against Lane Kiffin's creativity and his offensive prowess. So this is they matchups make fights, you know, styles make fights. This is stylistically as opposite as you could possibly be. We know Ole Miss can play some defense. They're nowhere near the defensive level of Penn State, another elite defense in this in this country in this uh, NCAA. Here's the problem, though, for Penn State. They've got to score. Yeah. And they have a problem scoring these days. I really, really, really want to pick Penn State in this game. But I'm going with Big Lane. <laughs> Big game lane. Finally getting it done. 11 wins in Oxford gets him a bonus. And I just think He's going to have one or two plays that Penn State's not ready for, and I'm picking Lane Kiffin and the Rebels in this one. I think I've made it clear over the 18 episodes or whatever we're at, I think it's 18, that I am not in any way an SEC fan, and I'm going to prove it again here. I just picked Ohio State. I got to pick Penn State here. I like Ole Miss. But I think Lane Kiffin has a big game problem, and this is a big game. And that's why I'm picking him, because it's time for him <laughs> to finally get the big win. I mean, we well, joke about it, but yeah. he's had his chances. When he was at Tennessee, it took two blocked field goals for Alabama to win that football game at the Rocky time. And he blocked one of he, them with he his had, armpit. It yeah, was like he, he, he chance, threw his arm up and it hit him right in yeah, the armpit. Yeah, him right in the armpit. Coach Terrence <laughs> Cody. Mount had the Cody. chance, had the chance to beat a couple teams at USC. Did not get it done. Has right. had a chance to beat these teams at Ole Miss. He got the win against, got the win in the shootout against LSU. Um, but that's not what we're going to see against Penn State. This is not going to be a shootout. Um, now, Ole Miss wants to shoot the lights out. The problem is Penn State doesn't have Penn the State offensive firepower. Yeah. No, they and they don't have the firepower. They're going to gonna slow it down. They're going to run the ball. Yep. yep. They're going to have defense. to. They're yeah. going to have to. They can't. And that's the one thing about these four teams we just talked about: Missouri, Ohio State, Penn State, and Ole Miss. Do not abandon who you are, because that's what brought you to the dance. So, from from Ohio State, that stifling defense that creates turnovers that gives you the short field. Missouri's got to play a little speed. They've got to play a little finesse. And quite frankly, Terry, they got to get lucky. They got to get a busted coverage or they got to get a penalty. Um, Looking over here at Penn State, they've got to grind you out. And then, of course, 
Ole Miss is going to have to have Kiffin drawing up the plays and having some schedule. They got to stay on schedule. One thing I would do if I'm Ole Miss, and and I know he's one of the best at this, is you've got to play with tempo to stop. Don't let Penn State substitute. If you start moving those chains, play with the tempo because the tempo favors Ole Miss in that particular case. High-octane offense, that's how I think they beat uh, Penn State. Now, is this going to be a 21-point game? Hell no. This is going to be a dogfight. And I think the same thing about Missouri and Ohio State. Going to be a dogfight. But I'm still going with Lane. No, I'm going with Lane, buddy, just because you're going the opposite way, and we love to argue. Well, Um, here's my deal. I'm an Auburn guy. And Lane acted like he was too good for Auburn last year. Prove it to me, buddy. Prove to me that you're better than that. I want you to so, regret not accepting our offer, you bastard. I'm gonna lose. This I'm gonna go ahead game. and and catch my breath because I've got a lot for the Georgia Florida game, <laughs> and I'm gonna let Terry take the next one. It's the Music City Bowl, baby. It's uh, Auburn versus Maryland. Terry, tell us about it. So I think Auburn's favored by like seven now after Talia, Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa, baby. His brother out, just his, you know, his brother just beat the Cowboys. One of those two of boys, as you called them earlier in the season. But, you know, Auburn was favored by like two and a half. And then when Talia uh, announced that he wasn't playing, it jumped up to seven. I don't think it's seven. I still don't think it's seven. I think Maryland is a sneaky team because they did not finish at the top of the league. But both both starting cornerbacks for Auburn are out. I got to tell you, if Talia was playing with Auburn's two starting cornerbacks out, that was a huge disadvantage for my Tigers. I'm glad it's going to be somebody else, but it's still a big disadvantage because Auburn lacks depth this year. And when you've got those defensive backs deciding not to play, they're having to shift things around, put safeties at cornerback and that kind of thing. It's going to catch up with them in some way. And um, they're also short on depth on the defensive line. And Marcus Harris, who's been a big piece, he's also opted out. Um it's kind of scary on the defensive side. The defense that I had some confidence in, I've got a lot less confidence in right now. Um, but who knows what Billy Edwards Jr., that's his name. That's the quarterback from Maryland against Auburn. Who knows what he can do? We're hoping that he can't do much. I think it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to what can Maryland's quarterback do because Auburn basically has their offense. They're going to be able to make some plays. They can't throw it downfield. We've proven that over and over again. They're going to run the ball probably. Can Maryland pass the ball on Auburn? I don't think they can do it well enough to win, but I don't think Auburn's going to win by a touchdown. I think it's going to be more like a four-point game. So I've watched a lot of Maryland football, obviously being a Big Ten fan. Right. Uh, Saw them – play pretty well against Ohio State till the fourth quarter. Nebraska shot themselves, should have beat Maryland. And they right. did it with the Tua boy uh, yes. playing the quarterback with Tagovailoa at the quarterback position. Mike Loxley will have some sort of offensive game plan because that's his baby there. 
former Nick Saban disciple, obviously head coach there at Maryland now. But I don't think Maryland's got enough in the gas tank without Tua or Tagovailoa because he's such an important piece to that machine. Now, I honestly didn't know he opted out when I made the pick. So I might go back and make sure that I pick Auburn and not Maryland. Um, but I'm pretty sure I did. You pick don't have Auburn a lot of confidence in, in Billy Edwards Jr. Buddy, I watched Nebraska tee off on that offense. Okay. Now I know, I know Auburn does not have the defense Nebraska did, and I know that right. sounds weird because Auburn well, bowling Nebraska is at home. Well, but, especially no, with the defensive backs and one of the defensive linemen opting out. I mean, Auburn, well, and that's the other the thing. The starters are one thing, but the depth is not there until you know next year they're building it. But right now, they just don't have it. I'd have to double check, but I think they sacked Tagovailoa six times in that game. Okay, I mean they were they, and remember they held the Maryland offense to thirteen points, right, with him and his receivers. So, uh, but I I don't think. I don't think, honestly, Terry, that without him, you talk about a trigger man and how the offense runs through Definitely. without Tagovailoa, I don't think that Maryland is the same football team. Right. And like you said, it's one thing to have significant snaps, but poor Billy Edwards Jr., 45 snaps. That's, right. that's not a lot of a lot of snaps. Well, you sell out tells to a you, guy like Talia. I mean uh, – he, they were not dominating teams, even with him at no. quarterback. So he didn't no. get to sit out. He wasn't resting, no sir, right. no sir. Um, and remember, they needed Nebraska to turn the ball over to win that game to get to the that's field right. goal. So that's what I'm saying is that 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 Maryland team, I think Auburn can beat them, but they won't beat them with defense. You'll beat them with the lack of offense on Maryland's side, and being able to produce some offense, enough offense with Hugh Freeze calling the plays, that Auburn will win this game. I also don't think this is a blowout. No, this one should be pretty not. competitive. Auburn it should I mean, be pretty competitive. You know, I know Auburn had that blowout against Arkansas, but that was more of an Arkansas thing to me than it was an Auburn thing. You know, um, and I think I think you guys, I, I I can't understate this number seven class recruiting. Yeah. So for a team that doesn't have a program, your words, not mine. Yeah, that's for next year though. <laughs> that doesn't help in this bowl. Game. <laughs> but, but what I what I'm getting at is you did pretty good for some for a team that doesn't have a program. But we do have money. Uh, you have money, and you have a coach who is very offensive-minded. Yeah. So all those receivers, the game changes next year for Auburn, and I know you're looking forward to that. But when you start talking about these five stars and in the transfer portal and everything else, it was a huge, huge, huge Wednesday last week for Auburn. Yeah. Um, same, same as it was Nebraska, but you guys right. ended up up ahead. Um, but anyway, looking forward to that now. The game everybody wanted to see until they didn't want to see it. The Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens. Terry, it's the Orange Bowl, home of Nebraska's one national championship. The other two came in the Fiesta. But they did lose six Orange Bowls, by the way, if you're mm. playing along at home. Goodness. Yeah, it was bad. My, Miami and Florida State had Nebraska's number for a long time. Not and they also Nebraska's lost the 19, favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> also lost the 1980 Orange Bowl to Danny Ford, gave Clemson their first national championship. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, 
Orange Bowl, Georgia, Florida State. Terry has a note here, folks, that says lots of key offensive players opting out for FSU with Travis out. Every playmaker on Florida State's offense is out of the game. Their backup quarterback, who has spent the last two and a half weeks preparing for Georgia, is out of the game. As he uh, Has he got onto the plane? He said, you know what? I'm just not going to get onto the plane. I'm going to go home. That's basically yeah, how this happened. Get, get my plane ticket. Carson Beck coming back to Georgia next year. That's huge. Also playing in the game. Huge, huge. Probably part of the reason Nebraska snagged Rayola, if you want to know the truth. Because yeah. Rayola is not going to play right away at Georgia anyway, I don't think. Even if Beck wasn't there, Terry, I don't know that Georgia starts a true freshman. I really don't. I don't right. know. But it, that's that's insignificant because he's our guy now. So fuck him. Uh, but you've got a note here that says there's a lot of Georgia players that have opted out. So after the Rotomaker announcement, the spread went to 17 in favor of That's Georgia. A lot. Florida State's got a good defense. I know they've got a good defense, but buddy, they ain't got a damn offensive player that isn't a backup. It's true. They've turned play. themselves into a little bit of an ACC version of Iowa here. But I just, oh, that's tough. Because, I mean, there's a lot of playmakers opting out at Georgia. Now, well, Carson Harry, Beck's there. But I, I, I went on record last week because we record, so that's record, and said Georgia by 30 with all the opt-outs. 30 is your favorite number when you say blowout. <laughs> because I just like 30. <laughs> Georgia by 30. And then <laughs> they're favorite. They're favored by 17. But part of me wants to pick Florida State just to be controversial. God, I love that. And that's not you just me rem- as an Auburn fan. That is me for just screwing up the logic of how college football does things. I would love Florida State to just steamroll Georgia here. They are pissed off as a fan base. I would love for them to have more fuel for the fire. I want to see it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, well, then I remember December the 2nd, 2023, I was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium <laughs> at the SCC Championship game. And I dropped you off. And a very good Georgia football team with two very good tight ends by the name of Browers and McConkey. McConkey. Which I think neither along of them are with, playing in, in this. Along with Carson Beck, along with Mims and the rest, played a pretty good football game against Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, Terry, I only got one question for you. And that's, who's that coming down the track? Mean Machine in the red and black. Because <laughs> there ain't nothing finer in this land oh, than a drunk-ass, pissed-off Georgia fan. Mm. Buddy, give me the dogs. By 24. Okay. Dogs and I won't 20. bark at you. And it could happen. I've got a really good microphone, and you don't need so to you hear didn't that. Learn, you didn't learn from game day, right? You didn't learn from our buddy McAfee, who did that and said, I'll take Alabama. So you didn't, learn, didn't, you didn't learn the swerve there. No, nah, it ain't no swerve, bro. Give me Georgia <laughs> by 24. Rough, rough. All right. Dogs. 
Yeah, I have not picked who I'm going to pick for that one. That's one I'm going to really think about here. But let's go are ahead. Are you and fucking shitting me? One. Florida State ain't got nobody to even catch the ball. Why are you worried about? <laughs> hey, they may win nine to six for all I know. Who knows? Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> and then this Arizona came out ball. of nowhere. Nobody gives a crap about this game. Uh, we we talk about these big time games between Power Five schools, and then they slip in the Arizona Bowl from Tucson, Toledo against Wyoming. Out of nowhere, in the middle of these great games, this game happens. It's going to be happening at the same time as the Orange Bowl, so you can at least if if the Orange Bowl is a blowout, maybe you can turn over to this and it'll be close. Bullshit! I ain't watching it. Go Cowboys! <laughs> Give me Wyoming. Uh, that's all I got for this. I I don't even know if it's Wyoming. I don't know that I like Wyoming. I don't. Well, remember. Wyoming's head coach is already announced his retirement after the game. That's the only thing I got going on this one. I know nothing else except for Toledo's quarterback is in the transfer portal. But I think Wyoming's quarterback had a or coach had a Nebraska connection somehow. I, I mean that legitimately. I'm I don't well, remember. That's where what Pat Dye is, came but... from, I believe. He was at Wyoming, got a, nobody had ever heard of him other than he had worked for Bear Bryant and then he got hired by Auburn. He did pretty well for us. So I don't yeah, know. Well, but motivation. The program during there, the 80s. The 80s right. at Auburn. Program during the 80s. I mean, like I said, Tuberville was a little bit consistent, but we'll go into that definition some other time. Let's talk about, see, and this is where you and I, we can talk online about this. On the show, we've talked about when are we recording these? Are we going to record again before New Year's Day? Or are we going to go ahead and wait till after New Year's Day? That's our two choices. Mm. What do you think? Can we record on Sunday? No. I got well, to do the other podcast Sunday. Well, let's rip through the New Year's Day games then. Let's make this an extended session. And we'll go ahead and talk about all the New Year's Day games and the first round of the playoffs because we won't be back until after that. First game on New Year's Day, ReliaQuest Bowl. Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Wisconsin versus LSU. And uh, the Heisman winner is sitting out. Yep. Garrett Nussmeyer is going to start for LSU. Malik Neighbors has not opted out yet. So far, he's playing. That's a big thing. You know, he's very good. They also have multiple receivers to throw to. Can Nussmeyer get it to him? Who knows? Several players are opting out for um, LSU, but Wisconsin, Wisconsin's pretty much um, intact here. Wisconsin isn't the Wisconsin that people remember. It's not the barge plays. It's not the Russell They don't have Wilson. that big time running back. They don't have the big running back this time around, the ones that ran all the gaudy numbers whose names escape me, but they had in consecutive order, I believe two or three of them, that just terrorized the Big Ten. Ron Dane. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going ahead and Googling. Bo- <laughs> I was going to say. Might as well. I, it, Top it, it 10 running is, backs it, of all time. From Wisconsin. Uh, one of them will be, is it why One of them put 424 yards on Nebraska. And most yards in Nebraska given up on any defender. You got um, Anthony Davis, James White, 
James Monty White Ball. was one of them. Monty Ball. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, there he is. It was Gordon. It was Melvin Gordon. Oh, they did it to, to Auburn, too. Auburn's had a couple of those bowl games against them. Again, again them. <laughs> like, wow. I just turned into grandpa there with the old school language. Yeah. But the point being to me, Wisconsin isn't the same team. It's not the – they don't have that defense yet. They don't have that big offensive line that could just bully people like they did during the Gordon years, the White years, those right. years. Uh, I'm going with LSU in this one because they've got a talent-rich offense. And if Jalen – or Jaden, excuse me, Daniels was playing this game, it'd be a route. Oh, I it mean, would be a route, 50 absolutely. 50 points, it would be ugly. So – I got LSU in this one, Terry. Yeah, it sounds about right to me, too. I mean, I know that Wisconsin's full force, but they're not full force based on their history. They don't have Russell Wilson. They don't have that big-time running back. They can play a little bit of defense, but LSU's going to outclass them. So let's move on to the Fiesta Bowl, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, Liberty versus Oregon. Bo Nix is playing. But the guys who aren't playing, okay, I've got some. You got, got it mixed a, up. I do. Irving's out, center's out, and Bo Nix will play. Yeah, so Liberty's very look well Look down attacked. at the Citrus here, Bowl notes. Here, from, from the here, here's the deal, though, Terry, regardless of the order of the notes. The Ducks are still a top 10 team, and Liberty is not. This is where you're going to see the biggest disparity in Power 5 versus group of five this Oregon is going to run with this game Liberty doesn't have a puncher's chance Bo Nix is at the controls one of the best quarterbacks game manager is a term people don't like but yeah. he is a game manager he is a, a different very style of game good... manager though well he can I make mean, plays but my you. point is he doesn't yeah. make a lot of mistakes that's yes. what I'm getting at he doesn't make a lot of mistakes um, but my point there that, is he's going to be missing some help because Bucky Irvin's out and there's talk about some receivers being sitting out. But I think he's the kind of game manager, as you say, that's not going to make the mistakes. But if he has to do it himself, he's willing to do it himself. Yeah, and Oregon has a defense that's going to play very mm -hmm. aggressive. And this game is going to get out of hand. Liberty doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning this one. Go Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. By 30, since it's my favorite <laughs> blowout number. All right, let's move on to the real Fiesta Bowl. Oh, that was the Fiesta Bowl. Let's move on to the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, oh, man, I'm mixing myself up big time. We got Iowa versus Tennessee, which may be a big snooze fest, especially with Milton out. Well, with Milton now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the over-under went to 15. I mean, this is going to be brutal. We're going to be 7-3. to three. We thought that Northwestern yeah. and Utah was a snooze fest. That's going to be lots out compared to this. I just can't see Tennessee putting up the numbers that they need to put up against that Iowa defense. And, mm -mm. Um, and without Milton, Iowa, and you, and he – and he practiced all the way to the 27th. Yeah, I just saw this is another one that I just saw today. Yeah, I just don't understand that logic. What what influence unless they're hiding it? You know, that's the only thought I have that would make sense. 
Otherwise, it's just like, why did you put in that effort just to decide not to play? I, I just don't get it. But that's going to be um, it's probably going to be a pretty good game from a defensive game standpoint. But you may fall asleep watching. There's not going to be. Yeah, much. I mean, the punter's going to be busy, big time. Because <laughs> Iowa can't score, and without that quarterback, Tennessee doesn't have enough playmakers to get past Iowa's defense. So it's going to be three and out, punt, 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 punt. It's going to be awful. Uh, yes. And and you and I love defense, but even I don't love that much. And by the way, fuck Iowa. They're like baby Ohio State to me at this point. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the granddaddy of them all. Getting the 5 o'clock game just to appease all the bitches and motherfuckers crying. That number 7 is coming back to Tuscaloosa under Nick Saban's watch. They just got to get by Michigan first. Five o'clock kickoff. It's the Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan. Michigan's got a couple injuries. Jim Harbaugh has not won a bowl game at Michigan. He has lost in the last two semifinals. Lost to uh, TCU, which he probably should have beat. Let's be honest. A Georgia and Michigan national championship game would have been far more entertaining than what we saw. Yes. Um, Buddy. You see I'm wearing the shirt today. I got it on just for you. It says Ala-freaking-Bama. Nick Saban, I read today, I believe, is 16-5 and five when given more than 25 days to prepare for a football game. He is about to be 16 or 17-5 and five because Alabama is going to do the entire college football uh, world a favor. <laughs> and they are going to beat Michigan and eliminate any thought of a black spot going over top of this record for a coach who's been suspended six of the 13 games he's coached this year or his team has played this year. This is a Reggie Bush situation just waiting to happen if Michigan wins the national championship. So next year we can have the the useless NCAA go ahead and strip them of the title because they found out Harbaugh did X, Y, or Z. And it ain't going to matter because about 8.30 local time in Pasadena, California, you're going to look up at the lights and all you're going to see is roll high. Alabama by 14, Terry. They're going to take something away from Michigan that Michigan will not be able to figure out how to replace. Be that the great running back Michigan has or a blitzer or a double team on defense, or whatever it is they're going to do, Nick Saban's got the game plan. Trophy number seven is coming to Tuscaloosa. So you know I have to do it here. I'm not very successful. I think I'm 0-3 this year doing this. Are you going to pick against Alabama? (laughs) Well, I will throw some stats out there that go against this thought process, but – When you look at the Big Ten championship game, and I heard this on the radio and I had to do some research just to make sure, Michigan scored two touchdowns in the Big Ten championship game. Do you know how long those drives were? Sustained. Five yards and six yards. 
those were the oh. two touchdown drops for Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. I would have suspected the opposite. So you're exactly. saying they were five yards and six. So I was against expecting... Iowa's defense. I so got you. I, I kind okay. of threw you off there. That's the thing that's really – it's like all these thoughts have been swirling in my head. I think Michigan's got a good defense, but, you know, Iowa's got a good defense, right? <laughs> Alabama's also got a good defense, and they've got – I think they got more disruptors on defense than Iowa does. Um, And I hate it. I hate it. But I can't pick Michigan here. And I hate it because I want to pick Michigan here, but the fact that I don't have enough confidence in them sustaining drives long enough to get in the end zone against Alabama's defense is what's really doing it. I'm going to have to pick Alabama. I'm not going 14 points like you. I think it's seven or less, but I just I just don't see Michigan with J.J. McCarthy at quarterback sustaining drives long enough to beat Alabama. And this is something I want you to hear point the out to our – my voice saying that. Yeah, I hear it. This is something I want to point out to our fans because Terry refuses to say roll tide. Oh, it's – So I do, the, I do the jokey, marky fan thing, yell roll tide. I think it's hilarious that it gets a reaction. But this is what – he knows and I know. Nick Saban has lost 29 games as the head coach of the University of Alabama. He has beaten the best of the best of the best and has lost to people who are not at his level. Um, I have nothing but respect for Jim Harbaugh up to the point where he accepted those suspensions for cheating. That bothers me. But Forget about the political side of it where I made the joke that Alabama's going to do everybody a favor and just put an end to this bullshit, the Michigan season. I was very sincere in my comment that Nick Saban is going to have his team ready and he's going to have his coaching staff take something away from Michigan. I don't know what that something is. I don't know that you can take Corum's running back away. I don't. He's a very good running back. But you mentioned J.J. McCarthy, and he hasn't been under duress the way an Alabama football team can put somebody under duress. When Saban starts calling those double-A gap blitzes, you see the safety blitz come off the edge. You see six in the box. You start to see where he does the confusion where he puts three in initially, and then all of a sudden you've got five, and you thought it was three and eight, and all of a sudden it's five and six. Saban's very, very, very good at manufacturing those type of defensive plays. It may be McCarthy that he targets because you talk about game managers. McCarthy isn't necessarily a playmaker. He's a game manager. Um, If you get him off his spot and you pressure him, you may have an opportunity to win the football game. But I truly and sincerely believe that this may be the most complete team Michigan has played all year. I understand they beat Ohio State, but Ohio State's offense has question marks, particularly when they're back against the wall in the quarterback position. Jalen Milrow is not a question mark at the University of Alabama. Bond, not his like favorite he was wide three receiver. Months ago. Three months not ago, a we question were saying mark. it was a question mark. That's changed. I wouldn't time. even talk about Alabama three months ago after that shit performance in South That's Florida. Right. Um, that defense... 
they've seen a Penn State defense. They've seen Ohio State's defense. They've seen Iowa's defense. I don't know that they've seen an athletic defense the way Alabama had. The speed. I'm not talking about the power because Penn State, Iowa, and Ohio State have that bruising power up front. Alabama's got it, but what they've got is speed when you can get those guys blitzing. So I think you probably have a most complete team in Alabama, and quite frankly, they should be if they're the number four team in the country playing for a national championship. Yep. I also think you cannot deny the importance of experience in the situation and the experience of that head coach that wears the A on that jacket and throws that headset and cusses everybody out along the way is something that Harbaugh has, but not at the same degree of success. Because we saw Harbaugh coach at Stanford and then the Niners and now Michigan. But Saban has seven national championships to his name in 20 seasons. It's a pretty good record. And I'm going to bet on the greatest college football coach of all time. And I'm going to bet on him this week. And when we talk about him playing Texas in the national championship. Oh, you're getting I'm ahead a, of us. <laughs> I'm, a bet on, I'm going to bet on him playing Texas. So that's well, where I'm, I'm holding at. off I, on picking next week's game. Um, I'm just not ready for that. I want to see how the semifinals go. But let's move along to the Sugar Bowl because you've already uh, kind of given a, a huge hint as to what you're about to say there. But, um, you know, I'm 0-2 picking against Washington this year. But I'm going to do it again. I cannot bring myself to pick against Texas and say that Washington is going to beat Texas. There was a time during the season I might think that would happen, but I think Texas has found a second wind toward the end of the year. They struggled through some of the middle – games of the season you know they had the lost oklahoma they struggled a couple of games but they've turned it on a bit the last couple of games and i think they're gonna keep going with that and i think they they're just too good against washington washington does not have the dudes to compete with texas i agree and specifically i don't know other than maybe oregon if Washington was ever tested at the cornerback and safety position the way they're going to be against Texas. Texas's defensive backs are excellent. They're they're aggressive, they pursue tight, they play play tight coverage to the point where depending on what refereeing crew it is, you got to wonder if it's going to be a defensive holding or pass interference. The other thing is is Sarkeesian, who was the head coach at Washington is going to be leading the Longhorns even against, De, against DeBoer, who is the coach of the year, the AP coach of the year. Caleb DeBoer hasn't lost 15 games in his head coaching career. Now, I understand a lot of that was at USD, where he won three out of four national titles, and only the one loss, or two of the losses in those four years, the one was in a national championship game. I understand that. I get that. I respect that. No no discredit to him. 
There is something, though, about the way Texas played Oklahoma State in that Big 12 championship game that, Terry, I can't get past. They were physical. They were aggressive. They were mean. They were locked down. And Texas cannot be understated. We talked about Malik Malik Moore leaving. That 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 hurts. But you got Arch Manning in waiting. You got Ewers signed up to come back. You had a top five recruiting class. Sarkeesian has that team running like a sewing machine right now. You've got defensive backs. Texas truly believes they're back under Stark. Now they get to prove it. And Washington gets to prove me wrong for the third time that they're not as good a football team or they're a better football team than I think they are. Right. Because I don't see it. I don't see national champion belonging under the Washington football team right now. I don't see And I understand they got Penix and they've got a hell of a receiver group. But. Well, here's what I'll say about Washington. I don't even know that they were in the. I don't even know they were in the top four, and that's where I'll leave it. Well, and so I was prepared, in my opinion, to leave Washington out of the top four had Jordan Travis been intact. And there's going to be some people that disagree with the whole thought process of a quarterback that's injured and doesn't come back should be a factor, but I think it should because he's – Effectively not on the roster But, you know, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. But I will say, and I think I said this last week or a couple of weeks ago, Washington, to me, is the one team that has transformed themselves tremendously this season. At the beginning of the season, they were this flashy team that had this Heisman quarterback, receivers. They didn't run the ball. They didn't play defense. Toward the end of the season, that passing game started failing, and they found a running game, and they found a secondary that was knocking the ball down. And they they became pretty much a different team toward the end of the season than they were at the beginning. Now, the question is, can they do both of those things at the same time? And I doubt it. This is why I'm not picking them, but you know, like you said, let's give them another opportunity to prove us wrong. They've done it twice before. And this is also the reason I'm not picking who wins the national championship today. We're going to record another time in a week after we know the winner of all these games and before the national championship game. And I don't know what I'm going to think at that point. But I'm going to see two playoff games before then and I'm either going to be completely wrong about what I think or I'm going to be right and I'll make my decision then. I just don't see it in Washington. I'm 0-2 saying that this year. Good for them if they make it 0-3. I'm ready to see it happen. Texas versus Oklahoma should uh, – Texas versus Oklahoma. Texas versus Washington should be a pretty good game. I don't see a blowout, but I just don't see Washington putting up the W there. There's something about Texas, the team. I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but it might be that swagger, that edge that they play with that I think is missing at Washington. 
And I think that gives Texas the advantage in the football game. They believe they're back. Washington says they believe they belong. But Texas is saying, no, no, no. We're not, we, it's not that we belong. We're back. But Texas hasn't won a national title since Vince Young, and they haven't played for one since they lost to Alabama in 09. Right. So, or for the 09 championship. So, um, I like Texas in this one. And, and I have nothing but respect for Washington. I just don't think they're a national championship football team. And they can come out next Monday night and prove me wrong. And well, I'm okay and it, with that. It comes down to the same thing we've been talking about. I don't see the big win that the Pac-12 got. I think the biggest win was the Utah win over Florida. Florida didn't yeah. go to a bowl. And then, and then in conference, they have two three-point wins over Oregon. But then in conference, how do you how do you judge a conference based on in-conference games? Right. I mean, Washington beat Michigan State. I mean, that's not – Yeah, and Michigan impressive. State sucks. I mean, there's no – there's no – I mean, uh, Arizona got beat by Mississippi State at the start yep. of the year. And then, and then terrorized everybody. I would love it. Honestly, there's two things that would be pretty interesting to me. Texas versus Alabama, which is what we're picking, would be um, Texas leaving their conference, going to the SEC, and going head-to-head with Alabama for the second time this season for the national championship as they enter the same conference as Alabama. That's an interesting story. The second interesting story is if Washington absolutely proves us wrong. And as the Pac-12 crumbles, they walk away with a national championship. That would be an amazing story. I don't see it happening, but I would appreciate it if it did. I would applaud them for it because we have doubted them from the very beginning. And if they pulled that off, it would be amazing. One of those two things is what I want to happen. I either want to be completely right or I want to be completely wrong. That's what college football is all about. I'm excited for this. I got to tell you, I listened to last week's episode. It was boring as hell. We were talking about a bunch of meaningless, nonsense bowl games that didn't mean anything. This week's been a lot more fun. We've had a lot more exciting things to talk about. There's a lot more exciting football to watch this week. And I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to talk about it next week and look forward to the national championship game and find out whatever else might happen between now and then. It's getting pretty exciting, Andrew. It's almost over. The good news is we know nobody's opting out of Alabama, Texas, Washington, and Michigan football. <laughs> I think Milrow, I think it just came out that Milrow was opting out, Andrew. Nobody. He's a graduate <laughs> player next year. He's coming back because roll tie. And you don't anyway. think for one second that Saban, you got to start it now. Stop. They got the top five recruiting class again. Of course. And no, no, no. Top two. And he's br- I mean, they've been top two yeah. for several years. I was being polite to the rest of the people that wish they could be like the goat. <laughs> but um, it, they got him. Milrose, a graduate player coming back. Yeah. Already decided. 
and they got the number two recruiting class because they they did finish behind Georgia. Um, again, I've told you a hundred times. It's like that three fifty seven Magnum I own. All you got to do is just keep reloading the revolver, and that's what they do. Washington of the four programs we've talked about is not the revolver just yet. Right. Michigan is absolutely. Texas is absolutely. Alabama is absolutely. Washington doesn't have the recruiting, the money, the fan base that these other three schools do. So to your point, maybe they'll make believers out of all of us when they win the whole damn thing, being doubted the whole damn way. So, um, and again, I'm like you, Terry. As long as it ain't a 65 to 7 national championship game, That's I'm right. okay with with who's ever in. Let's have good competitive football. And, you I know, think we will. again, 2024 will be fun. You know, we're going to, our first, this is our last show, I guess, of 23. So 24 will be fun, you know, for anybody expecting me to work on myself or whatever. I promise you there will be no New Year's resolutions for me. I'm going to still be the delightful, smart-ass, snarky, sarcastic individual that you have come to own. As far as I know, I am delightful, sir. So, you know, put it in reverse, Terry. But uh, in all seriousness, Terry helps me get better day by day. So we look forward to 24. We have some things we want to do. We're not rolling that out tonight. Obviously, we've been here probably out, next but, week. It's been fun prob- tonight because there's been so much to talk about. But yeah, we'll we'll get into some details of that next week. But yeah, because we've got to honestly figure out what the hell we're gonna do before we tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a football <laughs> podcast and then football season ending, you got to figure out what you're doing next, right? Yeah, well, we've been correct. talking about it. We'll figure. We'll figure it out. I mean, between the two of us, we're employed, educated, very handsome and attractive men. Even yes, though Terry's bald, he sets the standard for. Yeah, bald but I men. got the gray in the beard. There, there's a little the, bit distinguished, going for that. right? That's, That's right. distinguished. That's right. Um, but in all seriousness, we do have plans. We just have to flesh those out a little bit. So, the right. first. I look forward to, uh, obviously, the big games, the Rose Bowl, you know, the the Sugar, uh, and all the games before then. And hopefully, we um, we have a couple of other ideas that will come to light. So, yep. thank you all for listening to us again, my crazy ass. You know, I really do appreciate it. And uh, like I say, Terry, I tell you all the time, we appreciate you. He puts all this together. So I come on and I, and he's like, uh, Andrew, I sent you the notes. I said, oh, you did? And I'm opening them as he's hitting the record button. So well, that makes it better. We don't need to dig in and have it all planned. But I do have – I don't do this a lot. Obviously, we are a football podcast, as we said. We don't throw the names of other podcasts out there a lot. But for those who are wrestling fans – that um you know we do have some fans that are also wrestling fans because that's what brought us together Uh, i will say um this is a little bit of a plug here tomorrow night being let me check the date december 28th 
I will be yep. appearing on mm-hmm. Talking Wrestling with Pondwater Dave to talk about the Iron Claw movie. I'm hoping that a lot of you guys have seen that or hope to see that. Um, I'm going to give my thoughts on that. Uh, so, like I said, if you're a wrestling fan or maybe you're interested in the movie, um, check that out. It's a great show. Um, a lot of friends are on that show of ours. Um, we pay attention to that every week, and we we um, tune into the live show. But I'll be on there tomorrow talking about the Iron Claw movie. Great movie for anybody that's looking for something to do on the weekend or anything like that when you're not watching football. But I um, wanted to give a shout-out to them because they are an, an excellent listen and an excellent watch. But um, I'll be on there. I might sound like an idiot for not knowing what I'm talking about, but I'll be there and I'll I'll do my part. But it, other it than works that, for me. So so quit with the gimmick infringement. Number one, that's my job, and I do that here. Uh, <laughs> number two, Terry is correct. I've had the pleasure of being on Talking Wrestling multiple times as a fill-in uh, when we've had when they've had a missing host, and it's it's been nothing but a good time. Um, Dave is a fantastic follow on Twitter. Amy is wonderful. Even Justin Davis is, is, is okay. You know, he's got like two French bull. He's got two French bulldogs. Okay. That's how you he's, he's, he's got two French bulldogs. It's hard to hate him, but, um, nah, in all seriousness, Justin does a good job. It was yep. part of his concept to bring everybody together. So Terry's right. It's a great show. Definitely worth watching. And I guess it'll be later tonight because we're going to drop this, you know, uh, Wednesday. No, Thursday morning. It, it'll hit about Thursday midnight morning. or one. It's like I'll yeah. hit the button and it shows up when it shows up. It takes a, yeah. an hour or so. So for so those of you, you listening to it this morning, yeah, yeah, when you wake up, check out Palm Water Dave. And seriously, those guys do a great job. It's not making fun of Terry because he's their guest this week, but they've had a lot of really fun guests that um, have kind of raised the bar of the show. And I don't mean that ugly because I was on the show, but I mean, these oh, are I'm people that are for independent sure. wrestlers and that sort of thing, promoters. So again, like Terry said, wrestling brought all of our crazy asses together, not football, ironically enough. Right. But if you if you are a wrestling fan, don't sleep on the Pondwater Dave show because we know or wrestling with Pondwater Dave and friends. It used to be the Pondwater Dave show, whatever they call it. Um, but <laughs> but we know. Yeah, I'm plugging it. And I said whatever they call it. I told you yes. I'm an idiot. Hey, um, they did the same thing to us last week. It's like, what's the name of that yeah, show? They did. I love listening to it. So. It, a I love listening to it, but what's there. the name of it? <laughs> yeah, so, but wrestling with Palm Water Dave and friends, legitimately, guys, they started as kind of like we have, filling it out, figuring it out, whatever. They really have elevated their game. Do I ever think Nick Saban's coming on my show? No, because I can't pay him what McAfee does. But, you know, someday we might get to talk about Nick Saban some more, um, you know, because we don't talk about him enough. Even though I think Terry thinks I worship him like I do the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but it's not quite that severe. My love for Coach Saban's not quite that that severe. Yeah, I see your cross. I got one too. The um, now I'm rambling, but please <laughs> check out check out Dave, Amy, Justin. They deserve all That's the love right. and support. Look, this is what Dave did. We should tell our listeners in case they don't listen to Palm Water. So they were pushing for YouTube subscribers because they do a lot on YouTube. So 
if you want to see, they do some shorts. So if you want to see kind of what the show's about, you can find some, you know, three minute clips on YouTube. But Dave got a push at what was it, two hundred subscribers, Terry? I don't I think, remember what the first number was. I think he's done a couple of different things, maybe two hundred yeah. and then two fifty. The one I'm thinking of is a four hundred and fifty pound man chopped a shirtless Dave Miller. Um and I mean left fingerprints on his chest because they were going to do the hot chip challenge and then somebody died, unfortunately. So the next best thing is to let a 450 pound super heavyweight wrestler chop the shit out of you and blister your chest with one shot. And we all got to see it and it was crazy. But my point is that's his commitment to his brand, to his show. So when we tell you it's a good show, cause we know there's a ton of things to choose from to watch or listen to. Go listen to it. Go watch right. it. It's that good. It so, is. and again, they're that committed. Now, Amy didn't take no chest shot, and neither did Justin, which I was really disappointed in. But um, he brings it on himself. Don't shake your head at me. You know he brings it on himself. <laughs> Talking about piss troughs at Ohio State. But anyway, <laughs> go listen to it. Terry will be a lot of fun on it. Uh, a completely different thing, too. He's not talking football. We talking wrestling. And uh, or R A S S L I N. That's wrestling. Wrestling right. for those. It's in the those south. From the south. Know, we're talking right. W C C W, and you got to say that's it that right. way. This is the w. south, so we're going right. to say it that way. That's what we're going to talk about. And a last thought that I have as I look up at the TV, Louisville's coming back on USC, thirty-five twenty-eight in the fourth quarter. We'll see what that game looks like, and we'll talk about it next time. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's always great. Always great talking to you, Andrew. Football's getting good again, and I can't wait to see the results. Talk to you later, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We are TNA Top 10 on all social media. I'm T Weave 79 He's 30, your fan. We're available weekly where you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you.